Hey, everybody, this is David Isley, Carolina's own. Looking forward to being on the Get Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Very excited to be on the show. Let's get to it. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, this is Jimmy from the Live and in Color with Wolfie D and Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. Would you like to also make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. And that's how you're hearing this right now. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's made the job of producing multiple podcasts so much easier. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South. And I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card. Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at Steve Bowtie Bryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And I am here, as always, with my brother from the same father and mother, Jared, the Plastic Chic Street. What's up, dude? Hey, man, not much. Not much. Just ready for this interview, man. It's uh, looking, at these, looking at these questions we got laid out. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, you know, dude, it's just like, man, I we've got it's three two pagers in a row. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, they intimidate me when they get into the um, the length they are, but it's they're always good. So yeah, definitely, lots of great stories, lots of great people. I, I guess we can go ahead and say, as if they don't already know, we have Carolina's own Dave Isley on the show today. Very excited about that. So yeah, man, he's he's worked. WCW, WWF, all Japan. I mean, 
and and numerous other places. So I mean, it's going to yeah. be it's going to yeah. be some good stories. Absolutely, and you know, got to thank Tommy Angel for hooking this one up. You know, I, I like this. You know, the way that it's working right now, the domino effect of like, okay, this guy, you brought this guy on, and maybe the next guy, who knows? Will yeah. who knows who will be next? So, but you know, last episode before this is doing awesome. Once again, thank y'all so much for listening. We definitely appreciate that. You know, Rick McCord, that episode, that was just another guy that, man, he's just done everything. It's like, wow, is this just, is this the new norm for us? You know what I mean? That we're yeah. just just to know that that anybody is giving us their time is definitely humbling, man. Very, very humbling. Oh, absolutely. These guys, um, I mean, I, I've said it and probably uh, wore it out some with the, the listeners, but I mean, these guys just continually have been there and done that. Yeah, and and when you hear these names that we're going to mention today, you're going to be like, man. I know. These guys wrestled everybody. Yeah, I know. It's it's just incredible. And again, we're so appreciative of all these gentlemen who spent their time and did their whole career and then are now spending their time with us to tell their story. You know, I'm not only glad that they give us that opportunity, but that we have that platform for them, you know. So, mm-hmm. and all these guys truly fit the give me back my pro wrestling motto of, you know, hey, these guys are the exact model of give me back my pro wrestling because they're the pro wrestling that we want to be back to somebody to give us back. You know what I'm saying? So I think that made sense. But anyway, you all get it. It's give simple. us back this pro wrestling that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Give me back that pro wrestling that you had. Anyway, long story <laughs> short, fun episode. Can't wait to bring him on. So I say, let's go ahead and bring him on. Why not? Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Man. All right. Hey, by the way, he's a big UNC Tar Heels fan. So I know. Let's just step Ooh. aside. Yeah, we'll Ooh. we'll just we'll skirt around. That. We're not even going to mention that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not that I have a problem with it. It's you, Jared. So <laughs> I know, I know, it's my problem. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll just leave that question in the tank. We'll be right back after these messages with more from Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling and our very special guest, David. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color, with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, Live and in Color, with Wolfie D. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, booty call on Athena, go to lostwrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! All right, we are back with more from the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling podcast. And just like we said in the intro there, we've got one of the awesome guys of this business. Some say he's a thunderfoot. Some say he's just an all-around great guy. But we know him as Carolina's own David Isley. David, thank you for being on the show with us today. Hey, looking forward to it, guys. I'm ready to talk some old uh, stories that I haven't talked about in a long time. I'm sure I've got some that... You know, a lot of the folks and a lot of the fans haven't heard from another perspective. So um, let's get into it. Love it. Love it. Love it, man. Yeah, that's what we're all about. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jared, we always start with your question. 
kick it off, brother. All right, David. So this this question right here is just meant to kind of show the listeners and us kind of your right. influences or your favorite uh, sure. people you worked with. Maybe give me your sure. like top four or top five, like a Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers. You know, that's a great question. And um, look, looking back over the time, you know, I'm going to kind of date myself a little bit because of, um, you know, because of where I'm at in in life now. But, you know, when I was growing up, you know, if I had to look at my top five Mount Rushmore's at the time, definitely would have been a a Wahoo McDaniel, um, a a Jack Jack Briscoe, um, definitely a Black Jack Mulligan, um, probably a Mr. Wrestling Tim Woods. Um, and you know, and you have to have, you know, you have to have the nature boy, Ric Flair in there as well. Um, you know, those were, uh, probably some of the guys that I looked up to when, um, you know, when I was starting out and, uh, just breaking into the wrestling business, but you know, there's just so many more names that were, that influenced me over the years, but that's, that's a few off the top of my head that I can remember that, you know, that really, um, because you have to understand guys, when I was coming through, we didn't, you know, we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have yeah. um, we didn't have cable television till till later on in the '80s. So when I was a kid growing up, all I was able to get was uh, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling with Bob Cottle and um, you know Rich Landrum and David Crockett. And then and sometimes on Saturday mornings, if I turned my rabbit ears just right, I could probably get a little bit of the Fuller's program out of Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. What a list, man! That's a great list, and. Um, when you got Wahoo McDaniel on there, man, that's we. That's a that's a great that's a great start to it, man. It's a awesome list. <laughs> and let's be Absolutely. honest, David. Let's be honest, man. All you need is Mid Atlantic when it comes down to it, right? Come on. <laughs> well, you, be- you know that's 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 very very true because you know in 1975 I got my first Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. Somebody gave it to me when I was a junior in high school. And yeah. from that point on, I, I was sucked in. Um, I started watching it on television around 19, 1974, 75. Uh, yeah. And from that point, I, I was just sucked in. And, and it's been been like that ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that sounds similar to us. We actually got into it way early in our life, but we were seeing guys like you on TV. So it was pretty awesome. You know, so there's the circle right there. So you actually led me in a great direction there, David, and I appreciate this. It's going to be easy, man. I can tell. So my first question always starts like this. Tell us a little bit about your younger days. Where were you born? Your high school? Did did you play sports? That kind of stuff? Absolutely. Um, So I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina in yeah. uh, 1962. So I'm 61 years old now. Uh, and, um, you know, I was, um, went to school in Hendersonville, North Carolina. So I was close to, to the Asheville civic center where I actually saw the mid Atlantic live events, you know, back, back, back in that time. Awesome. Um, my father was with, um, at the time, uh, ESO, which is now Exxon mobile. And we moved around a little bit from, uh, from Hendersonville, North Carolina to Greenville, South Carolina, and then we spent, you know, the last, you know, long, long few years up around Charlotte, North Carolina, over into the Concord, North Carolina area is, is where I spent most of my time. Yeah. I technically graduated high school um, in, in Concord, North Carolina. I'm not as close to some of those folks because I, I moved there, you know, when I was a, a junior in high school. So, you yeah. know, the folks that I really bonded with and, and keep in touch on a very regular basis are the folks from right, right up the road from where I live out here in Greenville, up in Hendersonville, North Carolina. So um, that's kind of where I was born and how it all started. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm in Mooresville now. Jared, my okay. co-host and brother, he went to college in Monroe. So we're okay. we're all about Mecklenburg County. So we yeah, all got right. Yeah. So yeah, we we have fun and and it's cool, man. It's I, I met you know a guy doing grand jury and actually ended up meeting Tommy Angel through yeah. that and then through Tommy I've met you. So man, it's just yeah. like a big snowball. I'm so stoked yeah. about this. You know. <laughs> it's good. You know, it's good to reminisce about the old stories. You know, I don't talk about them too much anymore and um but you know so i you know i had had to kind of get back into my memory banks a little bit and kind of pull pull some of that out from quite a few years ago well we we thank you immensely absolutely absolutely so okay so you brought it up now you you talked about getting your first magazine in high school and being enthralled by then after and obviously you know, I live in Mooresville now, so you probably yep. know what I'm leading to here. Yeah. Talk, talk yeah. about meeting Nelson Royal and getting your start yeah. in the wrestling business. Okay, so that's a great question. So in 1984, um, I was working actually part-time uh, for Ricky Steamboat at his Mid-Atlantic gym in Charlotte. Nice. And I, I became um, very, very close with Rick and his family. Still very close with Rick today, actually. Um you know, he and I, um, his birthday is also in February. So I happened to be up in the Knoxville area, um, back in February. So I met him and his wife and took him out for his, uh, for his birthday at the end of, uh, end of, end of last February. So a lot of the guys were coming in there working out, um, you know, and some of the names that were coming in there working out at that particular time were downtown Denny Brown, who was a former NWA junior heavyweight champion, very, yes, very sir. close friend, of, very close friend of mine. Hector yeah. Guerrero was a Hector Guerrero was a regular in there. There was an old guy by the name, uh, uh, an old name that you he went by the wrestling name in the Mid Atlantic area called Bret Hart. Oh that yes, was really Barry Horowitz from the right. uh, from the WWF. Yeah. So Danny Spivey was coming in there to work out. Uh, Scott Hall was coming in there to work out. You had Piper. Um, so at that particular time, I was still living uh, in Concord, but I was working for Rick at the gym in Charlotte part time. Um, so actually my, my, my former tag team partner who, who, who and I, who and I hooked up as the Thunderfoots later on, Gene Ligon, um, Gene ran a gym in Charlotte. Um, so in 19, roughly 1986, a uh, lot, a lot of other people don't know this as well. I kind of, kind of piggyback a little bit on a, on a story, but, uh, Nicola Roberts, who went on, you know, to, to be, become baby doll here in, uh, in, in the North Carolina area. Uh, she was coming in there and, you know, she was using jeans, tanning beds and her and I actually dated a few times back in the, um, back in the eighties. And we're still, you know, still very good friends. You know, she's married and family now, but we've, you know, still, still very good friends. And, um, so Nelson Royal was, was actually coming in there to work out. Uh, he and his daughter, Shannon, uh, they owned the, um, the, uh, the, excuse me, the, uh, the Western store up in, up in Mooresville. So, uh, Gene knew that I had been interested about in, in becoming a professional wrestler. And, um, so Nelson and I got together at, at, when he was in there working out he told me he was going to be having tryouts, um, up in Mooresville at his camp, um, on his property up there in Mooresville. So that's how I met the guys that I came through camp with. Um, you know, you probably remember, of course, Tommy Angel, but uh, there were others that came through the camp that I met that first day. Um, Colt Steele. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a wrestler by the name of Mitch Snow who nice. went on to become uh, in the AWA, did some work in the AWA. 
uh, Ricky Nelson, uh, Gene's son, Brad Anderson was there. There was also another guy from Salisbury um, who worked underneath for the Crockett's with us. He went by the name Larry Stevens, but most people knew him by L.A. Stevens from up in the Salisbury area. Okay. Um, and, and then later on um, through, you know, and what, what made it really special for us is, and I, I, I will always say that Nelson and Gene Anderson were a little bit harder on us in wrestling camp because it was their first wrestling camp. But a lot of people don't know later on through that camp, like the second or third camp that came through there, uh, we had, um, you, you know, we had the names of like Ken Shamrock and uh, Johnny Ace also come through that, that yeah. wrestling camp as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, so a lot, a lot of guys came through that camp. So that's how we all got to know each other very, very closely uh, around 1986. Um, you know, and it's no secret Crockett at that particular time, Jim Crockett needed some, some guys, some underneath guys to come in and work the TVs and, uh, you know, come in there. And because a lot of people don't really fully understand the, you know, the real, you you know, a lot, a lot of guys, a lot of fans will say, well, he was just a job guy, this, that, and the other. But if you, if you really ask the, you know, a good veteran in the business, uh, a, a good a good quality underneath talent enhancement guy they can either make you or break you on television Absolutely. so yeah so you know we all knew what we were there to do we were there to you know to, to per se do a job and and get the top guys over and make them look good and and you know and and with that you know we continued to get more work jj Dillon, who was the assistant booker at the time when i was there uh, with, you know, and, and Dusty was the head booker there. JJ, you know, respected our work. He respected our talent. You know, he thought a lot of Nelson and Gene. Um, so he, when he was able to, he was able to give us, you know, a few more bookings here and there. So he kept us, he kept us very busy, you know, while, while Crockett was running television, we, we stayed extremely busy and we picked up some, you know, some house shows here and there to put some extra money in our pocket. So, I've always been very thankful to JJ for keeping us busy back during those times. Yeah, that's awesome. That is very cool. You know, you just named so many incredible people. It's just like, right, right. it's just like, you're kind of like a punching bag right now. I'm just trying to take all yeah. that in. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. All those people that you were right. around at that time, you know? Right. So like, as far as like your first match and yeah. like, was it, was it for like a certain promotion or was it through, um, actually my, actually my very, very first match, I was scared to death. <laughs> I was actually, I was, I was petrified because <laughs> I, I, I was in the ring. I was tagging with, um, uh, with Larry Stevens, LA Stevens. Yes. And we had our very first, our very first match was with the, the, the Midnight Express, which was uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton and um, lover boy Dennis Condry. And, That's awesome. And, oh, nice. and on the outside of the ring um, was Big Bubba Rogers and Baby Doll, who was also part of that, part of that match as well. So, um, and cool. Cornette, of course, Cornette, Cornette was down at the, um, uh, I think at the announcer's table, you know, talking with, uh, with, with probably with Tony Schiavone at that particular time. But that was my first match, and I was, you know, extremely nervous. You know, and, and later on, you know, it was funny because I, I would go back and, and watch that match. I haven't seen it in quite a few years, but I would go back and look at that match. And, you know, and I don't really remember what I did, but I did something stupid and um, <laughs> not knowing the difference. And, and I could just see a big grin on Bobby Eaton's face like he was just laughing, you know. And, uh, <laughs> so, but if you got to know Bobby, that, that, that was just Bobby. That's just yeah. who he was. And, great um, guy. But, yeah. but great, great, great guy. So that, that was my first match. 
uh, in my pro wrestling career. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that it's uphill from there too, man. That's a, that's a memorable first match. And Bobby, Bobby Eaton, legitimately one of the best workers of all time. I mean, no question. Yeah. And Bobby was just a sweetheart of a guy, you know, and, and I could go on and on about, you know, the guys we worked with, you know, and, and look guys, it's no secret. There were better guys to work with on television and, um, you know, there were some that were, were not as easy to work with. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. anytime, anytime you looked at the booking sheet and, and you saw your name with either the rock and roll express or, or Jimmy Valiant or a Bugsy McGraw or the midnight express, um, or, or Jimmy Garb and someone like that, you knew that you were going to be taken care of. And, you know, I mean, even a guy like Arn Anderson, another right. sweetheart of a guy mm-hmm. who really tried to work with the underneath guys on television because, he knew the value of having a good match on television. He didn't want to go out there unless unless we were they were working an angle like a you know like a bash or a war games or something like that. He didn't want to go out there and just and just beat the, the you know the underneath guys up on television. Right. Um, he, he he wanted to go out there and have a match if he could. So I was never shy about you know if I wanted to suggest something to R and he would always try to work it in if he could a spot maybe that I wanted to do so. Yeah. Just another sweetheart of a guy to work with in the ring that you knew was going to take care of you. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, so we do this little thing we like to call the name game. And so sure. to kind of, you know, we the way we do it is we say a name and then you kind of bring yeah. up a thought or, or a little story or sure. whatever. And maybe if it jogs yeah. a memory, whatever. So DJ, hit the music. I'm going to go ahead and start with this one because from my list of matches that I could see, especially the ones that are on TV, this was on December 28th, 1986. You wrestled with Larry Stevens against Ole and Arn Anderson. So talk about those guys. Yeah, you know, that's a great question, you know, and um, I I, I do remember something very, very vaguely um, about that match. It's, I mean, it's, it, it came back to me later, but um, only, you know, of course knew at the time, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you that was probably one of my, you know, I, I had only been in the wrestling business, maybe three or four months at that particular time. Right. Um, I had watched only, um, growing up as a kid. And, um, so only I knew was, uh, could be very rough in the ring. Um, so we were standing there kind of at the gorilla position, getting ready to go out. Uh, Larry and I were standing there and, and Arn and Ole were standing there right in front of us. All of a sudden, Ole takes his fist and he punches the, the, you know, a wooden cabinet that sat right there in the, uh, in the, at the gorilla position. And he said, I, he, he said, I am in a pissed off mood today and I'm going to beat somebody's ass out here in this ring. today. Oh I, am, I, I am not, I am not in a good mood. And I looked, I looked at Larry and I said, we're getting ready to get killed. <laughs> so, so uh, but when we got out there, Ole was just as light as a feather. I yeah. mean, he was just as light as a feather. He was just playing a rib on us. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Because he, he knew we were green. He knew we were one of these guys. So, uh, but he, he really took good care of us. But I, but I, I got to tell you, I was very nervous going to the ring. <laughs> Ole yeah. is one of the best heels of all time. Like, oh. just, just pure I mean, heel. Like, he is. <laughs> it's like it's well, you know, a man. lot of people, a lot of people don't know this about Ole, but Ole was stabbed right here in Greenville, South right. Carolina, many yeah, many yeah. years ago. And you know, he, you know, that night from when, when one of the fans stabbed him, um, you know, just by the by 
a split inch, you know, missed his heart. Sure did. Oh, wow. Man. Yeah. That's scary. Absolutely. And these Absolutely. new guys think they got it rough, you know? <laughs> well, you know, there's a difference now. Um, you know, back, back in the days when I was, um, you know, when we were telling the you know, real story, we had storylines, right. storylines right. that played out for, for, for a number of um, weeks, months, and years at a time. Uh, Ole and Gene were what we call heat magnets. And yeah. Um, yeah. they really, really got a lot of heat. And, of course, now the wrestling business has changed so much, they're not really out there trying to get heat anymore. But right. uh, the, the angles that they ran back in the day really, really got some fans upset. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. 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 All right, how about Nikita Koloff? Ah, uh, wow, Nikita. Yeah, Nikita, Nikita and I are very close. I haven't talked to him in a while, but um, Nikita lived pretty close to me in Concord, North Carolina. Um, I, I got to be very close with Nick. Um, b- back when he owns Nikita's gym in, in Concord, North Carolina, um, yeah. I was very close with Nick. Nick was married at the time, um, to a young lady down in Alabama who, which you guys probably know, she ended up, um, uh, developing cancer right. and he, yeah. he, he tried to, um, do what he could to, um, to try to heal the cancer. And, uh, uh but you know, of course she, you know, ended up passing away. I don't really remember what year that it was, but Mandy ended up passing away, um, several, you know, uh, at, after a certain period of time. And, uh, but, yeah. but Nick and I have always, um, I was actually a pallbearer in, uh, in, in Mandy's funeral. And, um, so, um, that, that's, you know, but, but Nick and I, uh, traveled together on the road quite a bit. Um, I, have got a quick Nikita Koloff story. Um, Please. so, um, yeah. I, Nikita, um, he had a Cadillac back in the day, a white Cadillac with tinted windows. And, yeah. um, he was, uh, going out of town and, uh, he, uh, you know, he and I were very close and, uh, I said, Hey Nick, you're going to be out of town. I said, you know, can I, can I take your car, take your car out if, if I need to? Yeah. And he said, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take the car. Well, I took his car and I drove it down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and and um, so, so, so back to back during those days, it, you know, it was no secret. I, you know, I'm, um, I, I'm not the same guy that I was back in those, day, those days. Thank goodness. But I kind of frequent, frequented a lot of um, adult entertainment businesses. Sure. And, okay. and um, so I had, I had the car, you know, full of the ladies, you know, in the car one night. And uh, we were riding around, all riding around Myrtle Beach. And um, so when I finally went back to uh, to Concord, uh, Nikita had not been home. And to this day, I still don't know how he found out. But he came up to me and he says, what are you doing hanging around in Myrtle Beach with adult <laughs> entertainers hanging out my car window? Mm. And um, I still to this day never know how he found that out. But he did. <laughs> <laughs> he had he his did. sources in the KGB. He did. Man. Yeah, he really did. He really did. He Holy did. cow. That, yeah, yeah. I, yeah wow. Oh, yeah. We're starting with an incredible story. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably, man. Uh, yeah, Nikita's a, a great guy. I got to meet him a couple times. Very nice man. Yeah. Very, very nice guy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the next name on the list is the superstar Bill Dundee. You know, superstar Bill Dundee, I was never around Bill too much. Um, you know, I was around him a couple of times in, um, you know, back to the Crockett's. He came in, and, and I don't really, really remember why Dundee was brought in. I, I do know that 
Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert was was around some during that time, and Dundee yeah. was there as well. I don't know whether it was part of a deal, maybe that Crockett, George South would certainly know more about that than me, but uh, of yeah. why they were there in the territory at that time. But but Bill was always a solid worker. He was an old school worker, so that is something that I particularly enjoyed was the old school um, type of uh, work that we did back in the day. Not yeah. all the you know, all, not all the high flying, you know, we got a hold, we worked it, uh, that, that sort of thing. So, um, I, I didn't know Bill real well. I only worked with him a couple of times on television, but that that's really the only memories that I have of Bill. I never really got to know him too well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our listener base is a, a lot of them are in Tennessee. I bring up certain names yeah. mainly because of that, you know, and Bill, I, I've met him a couple of times and every time that he's been in the back, I did a little work as a manager sure. back in uh, about 10 years ago in Nashville. Sure. And that's how I met all these wrestlers that I know. Yeah. And every time he was on a show and I, he would be watching a match, he was like, Oh, they're killing the business. They're killing the business. <laughs> you know, that's, um, you know, Bill, Bill is very old school. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, just like just like Nelson Royal was, you know, I, I look at some of the things they do now, and I'm certainly not knocking the the business and what what it's turned into. It's not yeah. necessarily for for me, but um, but but the way that I was brought up, you know, I was brought up to, you know, back when kayfabe was was really alive and and well, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I spent my whole career protecting the business and you know protecting the behind the scenes, the secrets of it, and it's still hard sometimes. Um, you know, to have conversations with certain people uh, about, ex- you know, kind of kind of doing an expose of the business. So right, right, um, right. I, I, a part of me still feels really strange about talking about some of those things because, of course, yeah, we we just didn't do it. You just don't do it. Yeah, just didn't do it. Yeah. No, and I mean we're gracious to you for that because a lot of guys are very, you know, very against certain things about it. But you know, sure. when you've got Jim Cornette, who's probably one of the biggest kayfabe guys ever at the time, right. you know, telling the whole story, it's kind of hard, sure. you know. <laughs> but I remember, you know, we 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 protected the business, you know. Yes. It, yes. You know, back, back in the days when when I was, you know, if if I had just worked an angle with somebody and, and, and I happened to be in a gas station with the, with those guys, if we ended up, you know, if, if they were there before me, I would get back in the car and leave. Right. I didn't want to, I did not want to expose the business or I didn't want to be seen talking with that person that I had just had a match with and a, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, in a public place. We, we just did not, we just didn't do that. Yeah. That's well, that was the way the business was, man. That's Absolutely. I think I, in a lot of ways, I miss that era, you yeah. know, in a lot yeah. of ways. You know, well, you know, and that's what I, and, and guys, that's what I tell people. If, you know, if you never really experienced Jim Crockett promotions live, you know, what, what you see on, on YouTube and, and, you know, maybe on the WWE network and things of that sort just doesn't do it justice. If you really Amen. weren't, if, if you weren't a part of the great American bash, if you weren't, yeah. you know, if you weren't on the front row wa- watching it, living it and breathing it and traveling with the guys. Um, you just can't really appreciate how, how, how much, how over Jim Crockett promotions territory really was. Amen. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, something, you know, something though, those one thing that YouTube at least, and maybe WWE network or whatever yeah. has kept alive is there are so many people influenced by those yeah. Ric Flair promos, those dusty road oh, yeah. promos 
I right. mean, and Jim Cornette and on that little set in the Atlanta studio there, would you just right. see all those people cutting promos? Those are big little, like if you go anywhere that just shows clips, you see a lot of those. I mean, just cause, uh, they're so memorable. Yeah. They're so good. and so much better than anything yeah. you can see today, honestly. Yeah. You know, and I can remember when I see some of those now, I can, I can vividly remember, you know, where I, you know, cause the Atlanta, yeah. the TBS studio was not a real big studio. And we were there on Saturday mornings at nine o'clock in the morning filming. And, and sometimes it was extremely cold in that, in that, that little building, it was extremely cold, but, um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was hard to work a crowd in front of you know in a studio environment like that. It it, it could be a little bit tough I at bet. nine o'clock in the morning. At nine yeah. o'clock in the morning, I bet. Yeah. How about two of the uh, uh, or a tag team that gets like the biggest pop ever? The Road Warriors. Oh my gosh! You, you know, I I became very very close with um, with Joe uh, Road Warrior Animal. I became very close with Joe and you know his brother. Uh, you know, John, Johnny Laurinaitis. Yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and they also have another brother down in Atlanta, a Mark Laurinaitis. Um, but I became very close with those guys, um, later on, later on down the road. But, uh, I, another, another situation that, that comes to mind is, you know, you, you cannot fully understand unless somebody was there or like me who was standing in the ring, when you hear the road warriors music, coming on and you see those guys busting through the door and, and they're running, they're running at that, you know, that ring 90 miles an hour and they get up under the ropes and they, and they come in there and they're, they're wild. I mean, they are wide open. Um, and you know, when you get in the ring with them, you're not going to, they're not going to give you anything. If you're right. working underneath, they're just going <laughs> to go in there. They're going to, they're going to beat you up. And, um, that's just what you're there for. And, and that's what you did. And, um, but I remember one time working with those guys and I don't know that I was the first, I, but I do know that I was probably one of the first, um, yeah. was when they did that finish. And I don't remember what the name of it was when, Doomsday when device. I got on, when, when I got on top of, um, animals shoulders Yeah, and, yeah. and then Hawk would dive off with the clothesline and yeah. animal would, would, would cut you a flip backwards and you land on your stomach. Right. Um, I remember the first time I took that, uh, on Atlanta TV, I mean, JJ just came busting through the, the door and he, he looked at me and said, Ivy, are you okay? Are you okay? And I, said, I'm fine. <laughs> I, I said, I'm fine. Yeah. So, uh, that was a, that was a little bit of a, a scary move. And so <laughs> many, many, many years later, many years later, when the Warriors actually went to the WWF, um, you know, I had a little more credibility, those guys, you know, back then. So, uh, when we ventured up to the WWF to do some underneath, you know, work for those, some, some TV for the, for, for WWF, you know, I had a chance to work with those guys again up there. And I remember, uh, animal saying, Isley, are you in a flipping mood tonight? And I said, I said, well, Joe, I said, do I, do I have a choice? He says, not really. <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, but at least he was honest about it. So then he said, "No, if you want us to fall back with you, we'll fall back with you." I said, "Yeah, I, I'd much rather. You. I think I'm at the stage of my life now. I, I, I'd appreciate if you'd fall back with me when you know when Hawks coming off the top." So yeah. they, they, they were they they graciously did that for me and took care of us. So uh, that was all good. 
And that was a very rare thing. I know they did that for guys like maybe like Ivan and, you know, some yeah, of those guys, yeah. but they didn't do that a lot. So you can tell but they you really respected un- you. Yeah. But you have to understand that when, when they got to the WWF, you know, things were a little bit different when they got up there. You know, I'm, if I had to, what, I, what I'm trying to say is the agents, the road agents for the WWF at the time, they were extremely big on taking care of the guys that came there for TV and gave their bodies to the talents, uh, yeah, to the yeah. top guys. They yeah. were extremely saying, hey, I mean, I remember, you know, Larry Stevens working with the Ultimate Warrior and Warrior knocked him out oh, on, uh, with a clothesline on television. And I, and I, you know, and I vividly remember Jay Strongbow, as soon as Warrior came back through, he was screaming at him, do not do that again. If you can't do it right, do not hurt these guys. We did not have that, uh, when we were down working for Crockett, they just pretty much just ate us up and, you know, ever how we landed, that's, that's how we landed. But yeah, I, it, yeah. it, it was just a, it was a different business. It was a different company and, um, uh, a, a different time and different place. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is it true that you have a story about Hawk? Yeah, actually, I do. Um, <laughs> Hawk. Um, so we were down in Jacksonville, Florida, um, you know, and, and I had been in the business a few years now. And actually, I was with Tommy Angel when this happened. Okay. But, you know, back in the days, back in the days, you could smoke cigarettes, as you guys probably remember. You could smoke cigarettes inside a restaurant. Right. right. Um, so I, I <clears throat> we were sitting at a in a, in a restaurant. And, you know, at the time I was weighing probably 230, 225, 230. Tommy was probably 250. Uh, Animal and Hawk both probably close to 300 uh, at that time. And um, I, I remember we were sitting at a table and, and some smoke was coming over the back of the, the from the table beside us, was coming over our, our booth. And, mm-hmm. um, and all of a sudden it, it got quiet. And Hawk, with that voice of his, he goes, God, I hate smoke. <laughs> and um and, and some guy who was sitting there kind of leaned over to see who we were and as soon as as soon as he saw the, the four of us sitting there eating he took a cigarette and put it out <laughs> yeah, yeah. so i i remember that very very clearly very clearly like that is day. awesome yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah in some cases that might have been a fight but that was not a fight then. yeah well <laughs> he he would not have been one of the guys that you'd want to pick a fight with. right never yeah never no yeah. no it's He's funny not, when not a, that guy it would have, you know the voice would have probably made me drop it in my drink yeah. or something you know <laughs> yeah. uh, mike was a was a very intimidating man yeah um, I bet. he was a very very and he was so brutally strong him and animal both were just just brutally strong you know yeah. and you know when when they pressed us over their head we didn't have we didn't have to help them i mean they were mm. they, they could do it all on their own they didn't need us to help them. oh i believe Gosh. it i believe that oh, yeah. yeah not at all well so okay the next guys again you brought them up a little earlier in your first match yeah. but i kind of want to draw a comparison because 87 was kind of a, a weird year for the midnights especially because they right. had bobby and dennis at the start and then it was bobby and stan at the end and honestly it came in and it was seamless you know they were great from the start and great from the finish there but i guess draw a little comparison of bobby and dennis versus bobby and stan well you know there they are you know and i even had a chance to work with um randy rose who was part of the other yeah, midnight right he was, yeah he, he came in there for a little bit a little, a little bit of a short time as well when i was there but um talking with you know the 
the midnight of Dennis and um, Bobby, those guys really just got a lot of heat by themselves. You know, they could really, they could really draw the heat, you know, and, um, you know, they, to me, they seemed much more ter- like the territory tag teams, uh, old okay. school, so okay. to speak, yeah. you know, and then you had, then you had kind of that showman come in with, with Stan Lane, who, who was a, you know, part of a very successful tag team with Steve Kern called the fabulous ones up in, oh, yeah. uh, up in the, up in the Memphis area. Yeah. So, you know, Stan was more, Stan to me was more of that, that, that showman type of, of wrestler. And, and, and I think Dennis and, um, and Bobby were probably more of the, um, kind of the heat, the drawing, the heat type of tag teams. That makes total uh, sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but Stan, you know, they were both successful. They, they both had, they both had good runs, not taking anything away from either, either tag team. They were both very easy to work with. Um, but, but, but there was a, you know, a, a little bit different of a style between the original Midnight's and then the ones with, with Stan and, um, with Stan and Bobby. That makes total sense. Yeah. 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 I like, I like that. Another guy that's just an amazing worker and, uh, yeah. from a, a long line of, um, from a family of great talent, uh, Brad Armstrong. You know, that's a, that's, that's a great, great family right there. I had, I had the privilege of working with all of those guys. I think at some point, I, I did not have a chance to work with, um, Brian BG. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I did. I did not have a chance to work with him, but I had many, many matches with Brad, uh, and Bob bullet, Bob. I had many, many chances to work with those guys and they were always just such s- smooth in the ring. The Bob, you know, Bob would be smoking a cigarette before he went to the ring and <laughs> you could, yeah, you, you could, you couldn't blow him up. He was in great shape. Um, but Bob was just Bob and Brad both just, you know, if you ask any old school, you know, re- wrestler, uh, territory guy, who, who would you like to have as an underneath guy in your, you know, in your territory? It's always a Brad Armstrong because he can go in there. If you, you know, if you can't have a, if you can't have a good match with Brad Armstrong, something's wrong. Yeah. No joke. Yeah. He no was joke. that smooth. And I yeah. had, I also, I remember one night at the old, um, at, at the Coliseum, um, uh, I want to say it was maybe Ranger Ross that had not showed up that night. I happened to, I happened to be there at one night and, um, Ranger Ross had not showed up and Ole was, had the book at that time. And he, and he asked me, he said, Isley, have you got your gear with you? And I said, I do. He said, well, Ranger Ross isn't here yet. You know, if, I'm going to give him 10 more minutes. And if he's not go get your gear, I've got you in the opening match with, um, Arachna man, which was Brad Armstrong. Right. And right. So, uh, so I, I ended up having that match in the Coliseum with, um, with, with Brad, but Brad was just always such a smooth worker. And I always enjoyed working with, you know, when he was tagging with, uh, Timmy Horner, I always yeah. enjoyed working, working with both those guys as the lightning express. They yeah. Just yeah. A super, just a super, super mid mid card tag team. Yeah, absolutely. Great tag team. I love yeah. that lightning express. They, you know, I always love Brad and bullet Bob. I feel like, you know, Brad is probably as smooth, almost as smooth as Ricky steamboat in a lot of cases, but he also had yeah. that same fire that bullet had, you know, it's, it's an yeah. interesting combination, you know, Brad was an excellent worker, an extra good seller. Um, he knew how to get, you know, get the guy over that he was working with. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I remember being in the ring with him several times when I was first breaking in and man, he really blew me up. He was, uh, <laughs> he, he was in that good a shape, that yeah. good shape. And he had a body like, he had a body like a Greek Adonis. Exactly. And he kept yeah. it too. That was you know, the other he impressive did. part, you know, he so, really did. Yeah, he really did. Well, the next guy I've got on this list is actually, you know, I've hated this guy before, but I've also cheered yep. for this guy. And he always had that valet with him, Precious, but I always liked it. Just Jimmy Garvin. Gorgeous Jimmy, Jimmy Garvin. Garvin. You know, yeah. I actually had I had a chance um, back in Charlotte um, a couple of years ago. Jimmy and Ronnie uh, were having breakfast at the um, at the Hilton there for one of the signings. Um, and um, I had I had gone to see uh my, my good buddy Stan Hansen and we were having breakfast with those guys and you, you know Jimmy was always such a just a pleasure to work with in the ring <clears throat> and um he was one of those guys that um he was very very smooth um he, he's he's another guy you know if you go in the ring with Jimmy um you, you know you know that you're going to be taken care of he was not what we call stiff right um he could make his stuff really look good like he was really hurting you but you know he was just so smooth in the ring. Now, now Ronnie, on the other hand, was a little <laughs> bit more, uh, a little bit more vicious, and yeah. um, you, you know it, th- that's just uh, like night and day with Jimmy and Ronnie. They're just totally two different styles. Of yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you brought Ronnie up too because I yeah. just watched a match with you and Ronnie, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was awesome. You, you know, and uh, Ronnie, you know, Ronnie was one of those guys that you know he he could take the he could take a beating. And, yeah. uh, he, he wanted you to fight him. And if you didn't, he was just going to eat you up. Yeah. And, um, that's just the way he was. Uh, you know, we, we tried, but you know, he just, he just ate us up. I that's mean, that's awesome. just all there was to it. That was just all there was to it. That, that, but that was just Ronnie's style. It, it was yeah. nothing against him. That was just his style. Yeah. Yeah. How about Dick Murdoch? Mur- Murdoch. I probably worked with a, a few times on television. He, you know, he, um, he was another guy that was extremely smooth. You know, D- Dickie was old school. You know, he and Dusty were very tight. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, Dickie, I remember, had the, uh, the brain buster finish. Uh, mm-hmm. his, uh, his finish was just so smooth. I mean, it, it's, it's a, you know, the way he protected you in the ring, the way he got your neck, and the way, you, you know, when you're, you know, it's like a standing suplex, then you come down for the, um, you know, for the bump or whatever, but he really took care of you. But Dickie's just one of those old school guys yeah. that, you know, he, he took care of you on television. He was not out there trying to, to abuse you, not trying to beat you up or, or, you know, or hurt you. He actually went out there and tried to take, take care of you. But you got to understand Dickie was that old school type wrestler. That's just the way they work. Now, yeah. could, could, could he hurt you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Dickie, Dickie was, um, you know, he, he could be vicious, but, um, but, but he always took great care of me when I was in the ring with him, always took care of me. Oh yeah. I always loved those promos when Cornette was managing him and he was paying him like, he was kind of like a, a mercenary for the midnight like express. Yeah, exactly. And it, Jimmy would be cutting this promo and he's really into it. And Dick's just standing there laughing, like smiling. Oh yeah. He's, he's well, popping for it, you know? <laughs> well, well, I re- I remember, I remember when uh, there was some six mans being done with um, with Ivan and Dicky uh, Dicky Murdoch and Vladimir Pietrov. Right, and, right. And they were doing some tagging, and he knew how he knew how green Vladimir was. He oh, knew yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, 
and, and some of the things that he was screaming in the ring at that particular time. Uh, I mean, you, you know, he, I, I remember you can, you can, if you watch this particular match, um, you can hear, you know, you can hear the fans out there really giving them a hard time. And, you know, he screams at the top, top of the top of his lungs. Hey, Tony, can you shut these K Fabens up out here? <laughs> and, and, you know, that's the way Dickie was, you know, just laughing and having a good time in the ring. But a lot of people never saw that because we, we protected the business, but, uh, yeah, uh, but Dickie, Dickie was just a super, super good guy. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, well, the next team is definitely probably my favorite tag team of all time from being a child, the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, my gosh. We could talk about those guys forever. You know, Rick, Ricky and Robert, and I still, you know, I my, my actually my phone still rings from Robert from time to time, and we still keep in touch. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, they're just a tag team that, if if you never if you never experience them live, you can't appreciate how how over those guys were in the territory. Right. There's no telling. There's no telling. You know how many of those rock and roll posters they sold back in the day. Uh, the merchandise sales. You know the, what we had back at that time were, were probably astronomical. You know the numbers they they probably did. But as far as two nice guys and and protecting you and taking care of you in the ring. You won't find two better two better guys than Ricky Mort and Robert Gibson. You just won't. And yeah. those guys were just such such great baby faces. You know the way Ricky Morton sold you know sold a move mm. or he sold sold a hold. Um, you know it's like Ricky told me one time. He said I can sell I can sell an arm bar like I'm on the way to the electric chair. You know, <laughs> right. So uh, you just won't find two better baby faces than Ricky and Robert. You just won't. Not as a not as a solid baby face tag team, one of the best. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No question. And so the next two guys, I'm gonna go ahead and bring them up because here's the thing. You guys were known as, you know, Tommy Angel, Larry Stevens, Rick yeah. Nelson. You yeah. know, you guys were kind of like, I would say like a second era of the underneath guys who kind of looked a little more compatible with the guys that were on TV. These guys, however, we remember George South. I got to throw George in there. Love George. Yeah. But these two guys right here actually were kind of that original crew that stayed around and actually ended up winning a match and going to the Crockett cup, Brandy and Bill Mulkey. You know, the Mulkeys, um, I haven't seen those guys in in a long time. Um, they, they used to live right down here in Anderson, South Carolina. And Mulkymania, um, I remember I had I had gotten my my shoulder separated, so I was on the sidelines at home for about eight weeks. And I remember when they had that match with the Gladiators, and they won on television that that night. Um, right. I was actually I was actually on the card that night when they sold out the Anderson Civic Center when they had that match against the the the, uh, the, the Midnight Express. Oh and, wow! Uh, okay. Yeah, I was uh, I, my, myself and Larry Stevens were on that card that night, and um, we had a nice payoff that night because I back bet. then, yeah, we did. We got paid on you know how many um, how many people showed up, not on a contract basis. So right, um, right, yeah. So the more the more people that were there, the better we got paid. So um, yeah, the Mulkies were you, you know that was just something different. It was good to see. Uh, it was good for the business at that particular time. And the people loved it. Yeah, they definitely did. We popped, and that was Gary. That was Gary Royal and George South, right? Am I yeah, correct about yeah. that? Yeah. Two, yeah. two fantastic workers. You can't say enough about George and and Gary. 
as far as workers, you know, you know, uh, Gary, gorgeous Gary Royal, you know, came came in from the uh, the Kansas City territory, and uh, he was a former NWA, uh, you know, junior heavyweight champion. Something else, a lot of people don't know about about Gary is that if you go back and watch Starcade, uh, or when Piper and Valentine were having the the doll collar match, Gary was the manager right in the ring there with Valentine, at, you know, right right at the opening of that. Match. Wow. So, okay. With, with the blonde, with the bleach blonde hair, very and, cool. Uh, very, yeah. Cool. He had a suit on, so yeah. Gary was just another another great worker. I've, I I can't even tell you how many times I've worked with Gary in the ring, but just such a night off, just such an easy. He and I just always had very smooth matches. But when you say that, you, you've also got to say again too, if you can't have a good match with George and and Gary, um, you know, <laughs> right? Something's wrong, right? Something's yeah. wrong, yeah. Yeah. I literally just talked to George the other day, and he was just coming off of his table at WrestleCade, and he was doing a favor for me recording a clip, and he was like, sure. brother, brother, I can't talk, but I'm coming off this to do this for you. And you know, if George South left his table, you mean something to him. So That's I, I, exactly 100% <laughs> correct. If, he, if he's going to leave that gimmick table for a minute, you know you must be special. Yeah, well, I felt right. that. He, he's a great guy. Yeah, I hope that we'll have him on soon, hopefully, because, you know, we can't have you guys on and not have George on, right? So nah, That's exactly yeah. right. But yeah. George, you know, George, you know, I remember George, you know, when we, you know, tell you a quick story about us going and, you know, this, this maybe is something you guys want to talk about, but I remember Please. when we were going, when we got to do, um, we, we were invited up to do television for the WWF, and George was part of that crew with us. Um, and as soon as we walked in the door, um, you know, v- Vince McMahon walked, walked up to us and thanked us for coming. He called us by name, which yeah. we were all, we were all surprised that he called us by name and we're like, how in the world does he know who we are? And, you know, it's like George said, look, we're his competition down there with the Crockett's, you know, he, he knows, you know, that's his business is to know what's on television for the other product. So exactly. he knew all of us and. That's why we were invited to come up and, and you know and, and work on the on the television up there. But they were so happy to have us, uh, you know. And, and and you know, Tommy may have told you this before, but you know, we were getting ready to leave that night, and and Bobby Heenan walked up to us. There were six of us, and he handed us a hundred dollar bill. And he said, "Guys, I know this isn't much, but split it amongst you and ha- have a beer on me on the way home." We so That's appreciate awesome. you guys. So so appreciate you guys coming up here and making our guys look good on television because. If you've got a bunch of crappy underneath talents uh, enhancement guys on television, your your show's going to look terrible. Right. But if mm. if you've got some, if you've got some that you know they know what they're doing, they know how to have a match. Um, it just makes the program so much better. Now, if you ask a guy like Ricky Morton, if you ask him, say, well, who was the best worker in the you know in the in the territory back in the in the Crockett days? And he said, look, that's that's a big that's a big question. He said. Everybody could work back, you know, who was on the card back in those days. Yeah. All the way from all the way from the top guys down to the underneath job guys. They were all they all knew how to have a match. So that that's it's just that some got more some got more television time than others. You know, yeah. you know yeah. but that's just the way it worked out. We knew what we were there to do. We we knew we had a job there to do. And I, I feel like that you know, with my best work came after I left Crockett, after I left WCW, you know, and I went into Japan and, you know, and, and you know, became, became close with Stan Hansen. And, um, you know, that that's when I really, 
learned how to work was after I left you know, and got away from doing you know, doing tele- televised matches. Yeah. Well, I promise we'll get there, brother. We're, it's coming sure. soon. Well, we got just a little bit more here. Go ahead, Jared. How about the total package, Lex Luger? Yeah, Lex was another guy that, you know, he had a body like a million dollars. Lex Lex was not, not, not the most technical wrestler in the world. Um, right. And I think he would tell you the same thing. But he knew the talents that he has. His body was just unbelievable. That's why they caught him the total package. Um, you know, he, he, he's another guy that really protected, uh, protected the underneath guys on television. He yeah. never, ever hurt, ever hurt me one time. Never, ever. He was so easy to work with in the ring. Um, you know, and when you see him now, he's so appreciative of, you know, he, he may not remember your face or, or your name, but, if, you know, if you tell him, hey, we worked, you know, te- television with each other, you know, many times back in the Crockett days, you yeah. know, he says, look, I don't remember it, but I just want to say thank you. He said, you know, you guys put your bodies on the line for us night in and night out. He said, I just want to say thanks. You know, yeah, that's, that's awesome. always that's always yeah. nice to hear. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no Definitely. doubt. Well, you know, Jared brought up one of them, and then we've talked about Ole and Arn, but I want to bring up the Four Horsemen as a whole. How is that being oh. around that crew, man? You, you know, uh, you know, you had you, you had Ole and uh, Ole and Arn and, and Flair. You know, you had Tully in there at that particular time. Nobody can really fully understand the magnitude of how over the Four Horsemen really were. Um, that whole era of the Four Horsemen um, was just unbelievable. They did incredible. Crockett did incredible business. You know, any time that we were on the cards where we were paid, you know, by the by the by the people who were there uh, buying a ticket, we always knew we were going to have a good payday. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but but nobody can really appreciate how how over the four horsemen were the original four horsemen. They just don't have a clue of of really what how how popular those guys were back in the day, or and, and how much how much heat those guys got. I mean, a guy like Tully Blanchard, you know, it's like they say he got heat in the dressing room with the guys. So, <laughs> so you knew you knew he could you knew he could draw heat with the people out in the audience. So. Um, just a, a, a tremendous error that if you never experienced it live, you, you just can't fully appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. This, this other group, they were, uh, they were heat magnets of their own, the fabulous Freebirds. Yeah. My, Michael Hayes and, and Gordy, um, you, you know, I, I got very close with Terry when I was in Japan, but, uh, and, and matter of fact, um, you know, Mike, Mike works behind the scenes now for the, you know, for the WWE and, um, he was actually, um, my, my son had called me recently and wanted to take my, uh, our, my grandson to see a match, um, up in Charlotte for TV. And I had sent Michael, a, a an email, um, you know, to his, uh, WWE account and said, Hey, it, if you got time to see us for a few minutes, great. If you don't, I know you're busy. Um, but he wrote me back, you know, within about you know, maybe three or four minutes said, Hey Dave, great to hear from you. He said, I, I, TVs are kind of hard, hard to manage. And, um, you know, if, if I have a chance to, to catch up with you, you know, don't expect me to, but, uh, you know, the best time to see me is like at a house show or something like that. But you couldn't ask for, for, for two better guys, uh, as far as Terry Gordy and, uh, and, and, uh, Michael Hayes, as far as mm-hmm. guys in, in and out of the ring. But I, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Terry was a rough man. Um, I, I would, I would put him up. I would put him up against anybody. All I can say is thank God he liked me. 
<laughs> when, when he was tagging with Dr. Death, um, th- those were two rough individuals and I'm, I'm so thankful they took care of me. And, um, but yeah. I, you, you just can't imagine the strength of, of Terry Bam Bam Gordy. You just can't. Oh no, I, I, I have no doubt. I, I, golly, I love those guys though. They were like, they were, oh, you know, yeah. the rock and roll express had their own rock and roll vibe, but they were like rock stars too, man. Those free yeah. birds, you know, you know, I, I remember the free birds when they were, you know, kind of in the Georgia, the Georgia territory. I okay. never really got to, I never really got to witness them too much when they were working for the Von Erichs out in Texas. I right. saw matches. I saw matches yeah. of it and I saw the crowds they drew out there, but I never really got to experience that. But I did see them when they were here working for Georgia. And that's another territory that they really popped really hard was, you know, was for the Georgia championship wrestling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the next guy on our list, and I think you know this guy pretty well, but I always thought, you know, there's all these guys that if you were to draw him, you know, if you, I would just say, hey, Dave, draw a pro wrestler. You could easily draw Lex Luger. You could draw Hawk and Animal. You could draw Sting. Yeah. You could draw Sid. But this guy, yeah. I always thought if you drew a pro wrestler and just drew what you thought, I think you would draw him as Todd Champion. Yeah. You know, Todd, um, Todd had an incredible look. You know, Todd was a was a very big guy. Yeah. Um, Todd, Todd was about six foot. I don't know, six foot five, six foot six, maybe. Um, two hundred seventy five, two hundred eighty pounds. Former um, football player for the Rams and mm-hmm. uh, former college football player for Utah. And um, Todd and I were very, very close. Um, Todd and I hung out together quite a bit outside of the ring. We traveled together quite a bit. Um, I, I remember vividly about about Todd is. You know, sometimes I would have a when he and I were riding down the road together after a match. Uh, you know, I would be in the in the passenger seat, and um, you know, if he saw me dozing off and sleeping, he'd slam all brakes and then wake me up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So Todd was another Todd was another great guy that I really enjoyed. You know, being around in and outside of the ring. You know, he had you know he had a successful little run with um, you know Curtis Thompson, who was Firebreaker Chip, and they did the little uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the tag team they had maybe down in WCW for a while, but um, they, um, they they had a good little run together for a while. But Todd, just a just a super guy in, in and out of the ring, lives down in Atlanta, Georgia now. He and I do still keep in touch, and, um, you know, I'm thankful that we're able to do that. But, he, God, man, what a what a big guy he was. And just incredibly strong. Yeah, yeah. Todd was, Todd was another guy who was just incredibly strong. Absolutely. How about the Warlord? Oh man, I, I loved him, <laughs> Terry. You know, another guy that you know, uh, brutally strong in the mm. in the gym. I mean, I I have seen this guy personally myself. I've witnessed it. You know, him doing behind the neck presses with three hundred and fifteen pounds. And holy, um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was just a monster of a man. But you know, the tag team with him and the uh, the barbarian, just another uh, the powers of pain or whatever, just. Yeah. A, just a super, super sweetheart of a guy, and but just incredibly strong. But he's another guy, just light as a feather. Wouldn't yeah. touch you for anything. He just would yeah. not. N- none of none of his uh, none of his moves hurt. I mean, they were all super easy to take. Yeah. Let me ask you this: being that you're buddies with the Road Warriors, and yeah. now when they put the powers of pain together, I think what we saw it as was that like the evil road warriors. How did you guys take the two tag teams that were massive monsters that almost looked almost similar, you know? You know, that's, um, I, 
you know, watching watching those four guys go at it in the ring, um, you know, I felt sometimes the, with the Road Warriors, you, you you either loved them or you hated them. Right. And, right. And and the and the Warriors, um, people just really got behind that gimmick. Yeah. I mean that that gimmick of theirs was so over that you know you would have everybody in the building cheering for the warriors and yeah. but you know when you had the the powers of pain then you had uncle ivan koloff who managed right. them or maybe maybe paul jones managed them a little bit at one little time bit well. both yeah yeah exactly yeah, a l- little yeah. bit a little bit of both um it, it was very believable because you had four men that were just incredibly big and you you just wanted to see who was going to win as far as who was the strongest of the four and, right. and 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 I don't think at that particular time, uh, I mean, if I was going to put my money on somebody, uh, I mean, you 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 can't. You, they they were all strong individuals, but 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 a guy like the Barbarian and uh, and, uh, and and the Warlord and 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 Road Warrior Animal, they were just so freaking strong. I mean, it's unbelievable the, the the feats of strength they did in the in the gym. I mean, the bench presses they did, and but you know you, you've got guys like Hawk and Animal. Who came out of uh, that that whole clan of up there in uh, in Minnesota with Eddie Sharkey's group right. up there? Rick yeah. Rude came out of, came out of that Kurt Hennig. They all came out of that uh, that Minnesota territory up there. But just man, four incredibly strong men. You know, and I saw them working out in the gym many times, and uh, it, I, I, my eyes were just amazed every time I saw them working out. That's the, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, this next one, it's so funny. We've been talking about all these towering big men, but this next guy was never what you would say towering. Always had a great body about him, though, and an evil persona in Kevin Sullivan. You know, Kevin, um, I never really – well, I'll tell you a quick story about Kevin. Um, So he was very snug in the ring. He was another guy that really did not give a whole lot of – um, the, the underneath guys on television, he did not really give us a whole lot on, on, on television. George right. will be the first, George South will be the first to tell you that, you know, when he hung you upside down in that tree of woe, and, um, you know, when you see him coming at you across the ring, you know, you, you better cover up a little bit because, um, <laughs> you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't, he didn't care how he landed when he, you know, when he came, uh, into hit you in the turnbuckle, um, with that finishing move. Um, yeah. you, you better, you better take care of yourself. And, right. um, but Kevin, I was actually down at the TBS studio one time and, uh, you know, back in the, in those days, you know, there were showers, there was a hallway of showers, a few dressing rooms, but at the end of the hall, that's where some of the, the ladies dressed. And I remember Missy Hyatt was sitting down there at the end of the hall. I was coming out of the shower. I mean, I had a towel and my flip flops on Missy was sitting down there at the end of the of the hallway. Well, Kevin Sullivan walks by me. He yanks my towel off of me. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, so I'm 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 standing there. I'm standing there, butt naked in the hallway. Missy Hyatt's looking at me, and I'm trying to bend down and get my towel and kind of cover up. And I'll, I'll just <laughs> I'll I'll never I'll never never forget that. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Never man. That. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Oh goodness! All right, the next uh, the next name or names, I guess I should say, is uh, the sheep herders. But you know, a lot of people might know them as the bushwhackers. So yeah, two two great guys to work with in the ring. Two smooth guys. I'll tell you a quick story about them. They had just given their notice um, 
to to Crockett. They were leaving. They were leaving the Crockett territory, going to work for the WWF. Actually, Tommy and I were tagging with um, together that on television uh, down in Atlanta against the the sheep herders. And I remember those guys coming up to us because they liked us. They liked us a lot. And I remember them coming up to us and say, "Guys, let's have let's have some fun tonight." And I said, "What do you got in mind?" <laughs> he said, "Well, we're we're going to let you. This is our last match before we, you know, on TV before we go go to work for the WWF. We're going to let you throw us around a little bit tonight." <laughs> so, um, so Tommy and I were in there. We were slamming them on television. You know, we were getting a, a few of our spots in, and and I could hear Jimmy Crockett. You know, we're, we're walking through the through the curtain back in the back, and I I, I overheard Jimmy saying, "Who in the hell let them do that?" <laughs> um, but nothing he could do about it. But right. It was, they, I mean, that's just the way those guys were. They were probably, I don't, I don't know the reason why they left, but they, they let me and Tommy throw them around that night on, on television a little bit, which probably did not go over real set real well with Jimmy Crockett. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I've entered, I've interviewed Luke before and he told the story about it, how he said he one day at the studios, he got a call and it was from Pat Patterson. And right. he said, you mean we're going to do that? And we're not going to be the same brutal tag team we've been in the territories. So we're going to get paid what you're telling me. And we're going to have a pretty easy doing a comedy gimmick. Yeah, I think we'll do that. <laughs> right. so, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a no brainer, a no brainer. Right. Yeah, because the sheep herders were a brutal tag team, and then I see they them were. as the bushwhackers, and I'm like, "Holy cow! These guys have <laughs> really calmed down." Lot, you know, a lot of bloodbaths those guys had down in Puerto Rico. Oh, no of. doubt, no doubt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the next guy on the list, he, he comes up so much through your match history that I wanted to bring him up here because this was, sure. I think, your first match with him was Mike Rotunda. Yeah, Mike. Um, you know, I I tag I had a lot of singles matches with Mike, and I had a lot of tag matches with Mike. I always got along extremely well with Mike because Mike was very good friends and still is with Denny Brown down in 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 Florida in St. Pete. Um, yeah. So I I knew Mike very well from Denny, and he always took care of me on on television. But Mike was just a another guy, super super collegiate wrestler out of Syracuse. Um, he could wrap you up and tie you up like a pretzel. Um, he was always pretty pretty quiet, but he was one of those guys you, you didn't want to try him in the ring because he could really wrap you up and hurt you. Um, but Mike, Mike just, just a super incredible guy. I can't say enough positive things about Mike. Just yeah. a super, super good guy to work with in the ring. Uh, just a solid mat technician, so to speak. Um, you know, you put him in the ring with a guy like him and Mark Fleming, I, I don't, I don't, man, I don't know who's going to, I wouldn't know who to put my money on that one. Two, two, <laughs> yeah. two rough and tough guys, but, 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 but for all intents and purposes, Mike, Mike was just a super incredible athlete. That's awesome. You know, this brings up a question because we're bringing up a lot of these guys and this is yeah. kind of basically around the time that Crockett purchases UWF from yeah. Bill Watts. Tell me how yeah. you felt about that. Did you, I mean, did you have any concerns about your job at that time? You're working some great guys, you know, but yeah, you know, we saw what, what I really thought of at the time is after we kind of got the full story of what was going on, you know, back, Crockett had the, you know, had the Crockett show, but then, then he also had the UWF show, which he kept going for a while. So we were able to kind of get some double work, so to speak. Um, so really 
we had already already established our name at that particular time. Um, and we, we actually saw it as a benefit for us because, you know, we Crockett needed us. I mean, he needed us to be on television. He had to switch us up a little bit from time to time, but, um, we just saw it as an opportunity to get more work. And that's kind of what we were there for. We wanted to work more, wanted to make more money. Um, yeah. It was just, a, it was an easy transition for us. Um, you know, I think that's when Steiner and, and Sting and some of those guys were, were brought in from the, from the UWF at the time. But um, to, to me, it just, it was just an opportunity for us to, you know, to get more work and, and to make more money. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's all you can ask for. I think, Correct. you know, in Correct. the long run of things, you know, yeah. so the next guy I want to bring up is, is probably uh, another one of these insanely strong guys. I'm going to guess yeah. is Ron Simmons. Oh my God. Yeah. Ron, just another, you know, I remember working with Ron early on in his career and Ron was just so brutally strong. You know, when Ron would throw me into the rope, you know, I mean, he would just shove me so hard. I would like lose my balance sometimes because he was just so his adrenaline was so high and he was so strong. And and I remember telling him, Hey, don't shove me so hard. Just push me and I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll run for you and I'll come back. There's no need for you to, you know, to, to to sling me into the ropes because I'll, I'll get there. Uh, But it just makes us both look bad. If you, you know, if you do that. So he understood, you know, I, you know, about, about work and he understood. So he just needed to relax a little bit more, but my gosh, he turned into be such an incredible athlete. Incredible no joke. Athlete. Yeah. No yeah. joke. No joke. But, the strength, but, but his strength alone was just, just, just impeccable. I mean, he was yeah. just, just stupid strong. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a story about him in a bar fight and he had a broken arm and he was still handling the guy easily with yeah. just his uh, one arm. So <laughs> yeah, he, he's another, he's another guy that, that I, you know, you're very thankful if he likes you, but I would right, not want to right. put him in a dark alley. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Well, the next one on the list is actually this guy, I think is one of my all time favorites, but it, it's because he it was just another one of those that seems so athletically gifted and smooth as Barry Wyndham. Yeah. I mean, you can't say, you can't say enough good things about Barry. I mean, his, his work, um, at that particular time when I was around Barry, um, when you say smooth, that that's literally goes hand in hand with Barry Windham. His work yeah. was just, gosh, guys. I mean, you, you just can't, he's he just, he's just another guy that, he, you know, if you're going to go into the, into the ring with him, he's going to give you a little bit in the match. He's going to make you look good. He's going to beat you in the end, but he's going to make you look good a little bit too. Like he beat somebody. Right. 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 And, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, but Barry just his, his work ethic alone, was just incredible. I mean, he was so smooth in the ring, but I'm just always thankful that, you know, that I had a chance to meet his father at one yeah. point. Wow. Black Jack Mulligan. Um, That's I was awesome. never, yeah, I never had a chance to, to work with Black Jack, but, you know, growing up as a kid and, and seeing Black Jack, you know, on television, yeah. that really made, made my day. And, you know, when I was able to walk up to his father and say, hey, I was such a huge mark for Black Jack Mulligan when I was growing up, and I just wanted to say thanks. And yeah, um, that's awesome. But just such a such such a great family, but two 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 very smooth workers. But Barry Barry and Kendall both. I mean, I, I never really knew Kendall Kendall that well, but I got to know Barry a little bit from his time with the Crockett's. But just what a smooth smooth worker in the ring. Well, you know, he you did work Kendall though. How were, were they? Pretty I, smooth, pretty similar. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, look, Kendall was no, his talent was 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 never as 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 good as as Barry's. Right, um, right, right. Barry was just on another different level. Kendall yeah. was good to work with. Not not taking anything away from Kendall, but Barry Barry was just in a league of his own. Man, he was so smooth. And I don't want to say anything negative either, but in no. any light about these guys, but I always, no, it was like all. they were the tallest, leanest dudes and they always wore the smallest yeah. trunks. It was like their thing, man. But <laughs> well, I tell you what, man, Barry, the, the women loved Barry back. in the Oh, day. no doubt. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. 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 They, they yeah. loved, they loved Barry back in the day. Yeah. I, I believe every bit of that. Sure yeah. Did. Right. I know my my female cousins were big fans of him. Let's just say that. Oh yeah, I mean, what <laughs> what, what young girl didn't like a you know a, a blonde headed blue eyed young man? I mean, who during that time? I mean, who would right. love that? Right. right. And he exactly. always had those awesome boots. I just yeah, we're big fans of Barry Windham for sure. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So the next guy I'm going to bring up was actually part of that coming over from UWF and you brought up his sometimes on again, off again, lady, Missy Hyatt there, but I'd love to hear a little bit about hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert. Yeah. You know, Eddie was just, some, you know, I never, I never really got to know Eddie too much because I don't remember what year he passed away. Um, yeah, right. But, but Eddie, um, I got to know him a little bit, you know, just working in the, you know, in the, in the locker room there a little bit. And I had a couple of matches with him and just another, he, he, he was a guy that had such a mind for the business. You know, Eddie, Eddie had booked territories before. I think he maybe had booked down in Puerto Rico some, Yeah, but he had yeah. a really, a really creative mind for the wrestling business. And, um, just, a you know, another guy that was extremely, and he was not a big guy. Eddie was no. not, a, not a, no. no, he was not a, he was not a big guy. But I, one thing that I do remember about him, he had one of the prettiest drop kicks that I had ever seen. Yeah, and uh, that's, that, that's one thing that I do that I do remember about Eddie is that smooth drop kick of his. Yeah, Eddie, you know, we had to bring him up because of our Tennessee listeners, of course, but he's definitely an acolyte of Lawler. You know, he definitely had those elements about him, but he also had his own thing about him. Jared and I often discuss, and we may even make it an episode in the future about what if, what would he be doing had he not passed away? Yeah, I feel like a, one of the two big companies would be having him in their offices, I'm you, sure. You know, that's 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 a great point. And, um, you know, I could have easily seen him in a, you know, Kind of, and, and I don't know whether he was ever part of Smoky Mountain or did anything with that. I, I don't really remember. But you know, since you guys have got a lot of Tennessee listeners, you know, you, you can't you can't you can't talk about Tennessee and not talk about Nature Boy Buddy Landell. Amen. I mean, yeah. There, there's a, there's another another Tennessee guy right there who was just another smooth smooth operator in the ring. I mean, he was just a another mat technician and if you couldn't have a good match with buddy well something was wrong but just that was your just fault another, <laughs> yeah, absolutely right right just another good tennessee guy right there that's great i'm glad you brought him yeah. up there's a funny story jared were you with me the night that i went to watch wrestling up at the southwest virginia community college I, I don't remember that. I don't think you were. Well, anyway, one night he had the main event of the match and my buddy who I was with, he said, Hey, do you want to go to the locker room? And I'm like, I don't think we need to do that. I don't think we should. He's like, no, I work here. Uh, my dad works up here. I can go anywhere I want. I said, Oh, 
Kay, and we go in the men's locker room, and of course, all the wrestlers are in there. And as we open the door, Buddy's standing there, and, and I can't tell if he has trunks on or not. He has his boots on, he has a shirt on, and that's all that it looks like he has on. And he is uh, he's yell he's yelling about something, and he sees the door open, stops, he says. Hey fellas, how y'all doing? Did you enjoy the show? Thank y'all for coming out. And he, we we like realize we should not be in there. We close the door, and as soon as we close the door, he says, "Hey Tommy, I thought you said you had somebody on the door." Man, we've got guys coming in left and right. He was go- it was so funny because he was going off. He stopped when he saw us, gave us the like, thank y'all for coming out. And we closed the door and he starts going oh. back off. Man, that was just, it was like, you so know, he, <laughs> his personality. I mean, there's just a guy you can't help but love the guy. I mean, right. he's, a, right. he's another one of those guys I think about all the time. I mean, he, he always yeah. crosses my mind periodically when I'm thinking about wrestling. But, but Buddy Landell is, is, was just a, a great, great human being. Uh, yeah. It's so sad that he, he he's not with us anymore, but just another incredible talent that, you, you know, that I had such a good time being in the ring with him. Absolutely. I believe that wow. every bit. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad you brought him up. Thank yeah. you. For yeah. <laughs> Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get up anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. Hey, 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 it's the Heat Visor Scotty Blaze. Now I'm inviting all of y'all to join me on my brand new podcast, Turning Up the Heat with the Heat Visor Scotty Blaze. So what are you waiting for? Come on over and join me. I'll be covering all the events of the day, global, national, pop culture, movies, gaming, whatever sounds interesting. But I'll also be playing some awesome skating shuffle music from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. Anything that has a good beat, I'm going to be playing it. You can rest assured. Come on over. T-U-T-H-Radio.com. The podcast is on every major podcast platform. See you then. All right. This guy right here is one of the, I mean, I'd have to go look through all our lists, but he's one of the few guys that's actually still doing it. But Sting. You know, I, I had an opportunity to work with Sting when he first came to, to Crockett, he, you know, um, and I think he, he may have come over from the UWF yeah. uh, at that time. Yeah. And, you know, back when, back when Steve was doing the, you know, the, the, the surfer, the surfer type of, uh, Sting, right, right. Um, with the flat top and the, the blonde hair and all that. I got along with Sting exceptionally well because, you know, a lot of times back in those days, you know, I had a, I had a, what's the word I'm looking for? I had a, um, I drove fast in my car. So um, <laughs> I had, I, I, people knew Lit that foot. I could get back to Charlotte. Yeah, I, Charlotte pretty quickly. And, you know, Sting, I, I remember a couple of times we, we were wrestling down here in Greenville and we were going back to Charlotte. And he said, Isley, how quick can you get us back to Charlotte? And I said, hey, what's going on? He said, well, if you wait on me, he said, you know, we'll go over to Whisper's Night Lounge. And, you know, they're having a, a bikini contest tonight. Let's, let's see if we can make it. And, and so I, I had the, you know, I had the gas pedal down and got us back just in time. But, um, yeah, I, I always thought the world of him. And, God, gosh, guys, I don't see how he's able to still do it. But, Man, you know, seriously. <laughs> 
but I, I read somewhere he's going to be wrapping it up pretty soon and good for him because in February or March, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. He's been doing it an awful long time. Exactly. Yeah, I know. We're big fans of Sting, no doubt, but it's funny. You know, I, I just got to ask that question. How, how quickly did you make it from Greenville to Charlotte? You, you know, um, I, I remember ordinarily it would take, um, it would take about, a, you know, back in those days, it would take us about an hour and a half to get back. And, and I think I shaved probably 20 or 25 minutes off at that point That's, in time because, that is, because yeah. guys, you got to, you got to remember back in those days, even the, even the underneath guys on television, we, we were on television every week. So right, right. You know, the, 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 the cops knew us when they pulled us, you know, and, um, you know, I'm not going to say we used it to our advantage, but, but certainly <laughs> sometimes when we got pulled for speeding, a lot of times we were able to talk ourselves out of it and, yeah. um, and, uh, that, that type of thing. So I didn't mind speeding back in those days. Uh, because <laughs> I, I knew, I knew as soon as I got into Mecklenburg County that I'd be okay because, if if we did get in trouble, all we had to do was call Doug Dellinger, and he'd tell us how to get, he'd tell oh, us how to awesome. get out of trouble. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, right. like, let me, my wallet's down in my wrestling boots here. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right, exactly. Oh, there's exactly. my title. There's my, there's my tight. Hold on. Oh, here's please. Sting sitting right next to me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Sting. Exactly right. Sure, sure. So we were all, we were all able to get out of, out of some things here in those days. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. Well, the last guy I'm going to talk about for just a second is Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Yeah. Old doc, man. He, um, I got to know doc pretty well in, um, in Japan. Yeah. Um, Terry and and doc, you know, the tag team they had over there was just unbelievable. Um, I mean, doc was so incredibly strong. I know that I was, I was in Japan and I was actually tagging with, um, with doc one night. We were against um, Abdullah and uh, uh, Giant Kamala, number two. And, um, you, you know, th- th- that guy's name was Ben Peacock out okay. of Georgia. And, okay. um, you know, Doc said, I'm getting ready to light him up. And I remember Abby had his back towards Doc. Doc picked up a metal chair and just blasted Abby with it in the back of the, ch- you know, in, the, in his back with that chair. And, um, you know, a- Abby, you know, Abby could be a little, um, how can I say this? I remember, and I may, I don't want to get off topic too much, but I no. remember Abby, in, in that match with, um, you know, with doc, Abby shot me in the rope. He shot me in the rope and I came off and he gave me a chop in the head. And on the way, as I was taking my bump on the way down, he had gigged me with his blade so quick um, that my head, my head was bleeding on the way yeah. down. Wow. He did it. He did it. He did it so fast. He did it so fast. But, but I, I seen Doc pick up Abby for a slam and like like it like it was a sack of potatoes, just like wow, nothing. wow, yeah, yeah. So he was incredibly strong. But just, yeah. just, but just what a sweetheart of a guy. Him, yeah. him, him and him and Bam both were just such a sweetheart of a guy. What a devastating tag team, though. That oh my like, gosh, yeah, that's incredible. Those, those guys were were in Japan were over like. Like I've never seen, you know, Doc, yeah. and Doc and Cordy were on top for quite some time over there. Oh, yeah. Well, so it's we made it into 1988. And, of course, we talked a little bit about it. And you did make it up to the WWF. And Tommy actually yeah. told us, you know, Nelson advised you guys, hey, it's a good opportunity. You may be burning a bridge with Crockett, though. You know, and so yeah. you make it up to WWF. Was that essentially like a no-brainer, though, even though you were concerned about burning a bridge, maybe? Yeah, Was that- we – 
at that particular time, I mean, we were ready to venture out a little bit and, yeah. and try some other things. You know, Jimmy Crockett got, um, I know Jimmy, um, contacted Gene Anderson and he was very upset that we had gone to, um, had gone to, um, WWF and, and he had suggested that, that Gene, you know, fire us and, and not, not book us anymore for television. He said, Jimmy, why do you want to do that? He said, if you, if you, if you let these guys go, who are you going to have to work your televisions? Right. So, uh, it was one of those cases where I can't say enough positive things about McMahon and the way he was running his business up there at that particular time. I mean, just, just, he treated us well. He took care of us. He paid us well. He fed us well. I mean, he put us up in a nice hotel. He paid for our rental cars, our, our air airfare up there and back. I mean, what was there not to enjoy about that time when we felt like, you know, we were working for Crockett? He, I don't mean this in a bad way, but he, they just didn't treat us very well down there. They didn't. They, they, yeah. didn't, they, didn't, yeah. they didn't appreciate what we did. They didn't appreciate our value. But I can tell you, they actually appreciated us very much when we went to WWF. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So, you know, I, we asked Tommy about this, but what would you say yeah. were some of the immediate differences in Crockett and WWF at oh, that time. I, I mean, the, the immediate thing that I saw right off the bat was just how it was professionally ran. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you, just the, um, you, you know, it, it's like you've got everything, everything's, um, you, you're not flying by the seat of your pants. Everything was like very well put together. The business was put together. The matches were put together. You know, they were, you know, they had a, a board out, you know, who was, who was working with everybody, the, the lineups for television, they, you know, the road agents were all in touch with everybody. Um, it, it was just a, it was just a whole, you know, you know, and something else I can say is when we got there, they had a, you know, they had a complete buffet ready for us. I was going to yeah. say catering, the existence <laughs> of catering. catering cater, yeah. Right. Catering was there. And, uh, we never had that with, with Crockett. Right. I mean, they right. never, I mean, it just didn't happen. So I think just the way they valued their employees was so much, so much better at the WWF than it was for, for, for Crockett. Gotcha. And I mean, yeah. I think it probably shows in the long run why one is still around and unfortunately one isn't, you know, that's, absolutely correct. You know, that's, as much as I, I would point. At that time, Crockett was the tops, and if you asked me with a gun to my head, I would still say Jim Crockett Promotions is my favorite, but there's a certain element yeah. of professionalism. It's like going to work for Coca-Cola when you'd been working for, like, RC Coca-Cola, you know, or something. Perfect, you know? perfect comparison right there. It's, it's night and day. It's yeah. night and day. Yeah. How about another Road Warriors-esque team? How about the demolition? You know, um, Barry Darso and Bill Eady, um I'm going to tell you now, working with, um, working with Bill, um, Bill, to me, Bill was all, you know, Bill was always a snug wrestler anyway. Yeah. And, and a lot of things, a lot of things, a lot of this people don't actually know about Bill is he was one of the Mongols back in the IWA. Right. Bolo, right. As, yeah. as Bolo and Guido Mongol. Um, and, and I did not know that at the time, but, but I'm going to tell you D demolition was a snug tag team. Yeah. But in my opinion, when Bill worked as the mass superstar uh, down here in the Crockett territory, oh yeah, um, he he worked so much snugger as, as and I don't know why as the superstar versus uh, demolition. But but again, Barry Darso, another guy from the you know the Minneapolis territory out of Eddie Sharkey's group up there, just another super super good guy. Uh, That's awesome. That I That's always awesome. enjoyed working with. But they were. 
they were a strong over tag team uh, back when I was there working with those guys. Just a very, very solid, uh, solid tag team. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm, I'll always ask this question again. We all yeah. talked about the powers of pain versus the road warriors, but as, when it comes down to it, the demolition, they, you, even though they looked and, and had that similar road warrior movie based gimmick, you know, how, it, it did come across as two totally different tag teams when they were in the yeah. ring, you know, Hawk and animal were more like shock and awe and right. demolition were. It just seemed like they maybe were a little, a little more work with you and a little more, I, I don't, I don't want to say better tag team. I don't mean that yeah. actually, but it, it's, it's like they, they just seemed like they had a different style about them, you know, yeah, almost more workers. Yeah, there was, there was a different style between those guys, you know, and, and even Barry, when Barry works down here for the Crockett's it's Crusher Khrushchev. Right. Um, right. Just another, another type of uh, character that he played down here, but, I think Barry really got over well as Demolition. I think that's really where he kind of cemented his legacy is when he became part of uh, the Demolition Pack team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the next team I want to bring up, and it's funny that I keep bringing up teams here, but when it comes yeah. down to it, I recently interviewed my a good buddy of mine from Virginia, Boris Zukov. He actually worked yeah. the Bolsheviks, him and Nikolai. Talk about working yeah. with them. Yeah, you know, um, I, that was the only time that I ever got to work with those guys. Um, but I remember, um, you know, two guys that were extremely light to work with in the ring. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember the match very clearly because it was, like I said, the only time I ever worked with them, but Hey, two, two legendary guys, part of the business, two legendary guys that, um, just really, you know, cemented their legacy. Um, you know, I, I remember Boris Zukov when he was private Jim Nelson down. Yeah, there exactly. With, exactly. With, with, yeah. with, with Slaughter and, and Kernodal. That's really how I remember him because you guys got to understand, you know, I was a mid Atlantic guy. I never really saw too much of the, you know, even though cable was around during that time, I still remembered the, the you know, you, you know, for all intents and purposes, not, not to get off the subject, but when even when even after big Bubba Rogers, uh, Ray Trailer left and went to work as the big boss man in uh, for the WWF. I still associated with him as 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 Big Bubba Rogers. Me too. Still we called, did too. And I yeah. still I still called him Bubba even when he was uh, even when he was working for uh, you know for the uh, for the McMahon's. And um, but, but but two smooth guys, Nikolai and and when you can make when you can make your your matches look believable. Like 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 those two guys, the, the Bolsheviks. When you can make your matches look so believable, and you're and you're that big, I mean that that's just an art. That's a talent. That's Amen. A talent. That's awesome. Yeah. So you know you're doing the back and forth with Crockett and the WWF, yeah. and you actually come back to NWA, and you you end up working some other guys like the Varsity Club, and we've talked about them there. But yeah. one of the guys that we've got to talk about because he means so much, especially to our Tennessee people, is Chris Champion. You had worked with him with Sean Royal yeah. in the New Breed, but I, here I you did. actually worked him solo, and I think this was after Sean had left the I, business. Maybe I I I, I worked with um. I worked with Chris Champion when he when he was around as the Karate Kid, and um, I also worked um, with those guys when they were the New Breed. Matter of fact, when they had their car accident, um, I was at the match that night when they had their car accident. We they, they didn't show up. And we didn't know why. You know what had happened to them. But you know a quick uh, a quick story about Chris Champion is 
you know, he had a finish when he was, you know, he, he did that, that little move where he kicked you underneath your, your jaw. Yeah. Um, when, um, you kind of like that karate kid type of, uh, type right. of gimmick. Right. And, um, he practiced on, he practiced it on me in the back a couple of times before we got on television. He kicked me so hard oh, that, he, man. That, that he split, he split my lip from oh, one side to the other. And God. I know it was an accident. I know it right. was an accident. I know he didn't mean to do it, but, but I remember if you watch the match, you know, I remember, I remember where it was taped. It was taped in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay. And I remember because back then in the Fayetteville Cumberland County auditorium, the hills and the baby faces, we did not have dressing rooms together. They were on separate sides. So all we had were walkie talkies to talk to each other back and forth. And, um, so Chris had, had split me open and he knew when he kicked me, he knew that it really split me open. And, and you can actually hear him. If you, when, when he covers me, you can hear him say, sorry. <laughs> and yeah. So when we got back to the back, my, my lip was just pouring blood. And as soon as I walked through the back, Flair was on the headset. And he and his eyes got like big as golf balls, and he took his headset off. He said, "Who in the hell did that?" And he said, "I said I was working with Chris Champion." And so he got on the mic and he told Chris Champion, he "says Please don't do that again. If you can't do that move correctly, don't be killing these guys." He said, "We've got so many guys that are hurt right now. We can't afford to, you know, we can't afford to be missing these too many more of the underneath guys. We're not, we're not going to have anybody to work with on television." Right. So yeah. Flair Flair took a hundred dollar bill and you're going back to nineteen eighties, eighty seven, eighty eight, whatever it was. Flair took a hundred dollar bill out of his wallet and said, Make sure you go by the hospital on the way home and get that stitched up. And uh, I'll I'll never I'll never forget that. Never forget Man. Hmm. I would have probably just said, I'll do it myself and frame that hundred for Flair, but <laughs> oh, right, I get what right, you're saying. Right. I know. <laughs> you right. knew Flair. <laughs> Absolutely correct. But again, Good guy to work with, Chris Champion. I know he didn't mean to do it, but just one of those unfortunate things that happens in the ring. You know, recently I saw a video of him working Steiner, and it was a tag match, and I think he caught oh. Steiner with that as well. And Rick came back You're right. pretty quick. You're yeah, ate correct. him up real quick. And oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no disrespect. I don't want to kick David Isley. Please don't think I want to kick you. But I think if I'm going to choose, I'm not going to stiff Rick Steiner. Yeah. No, I I remember seeing, you're right. I remember seeing that match as well. And he, and he did, he, he really, he really, he really potatoed him pretty hard with that kick. And I know Steiner kind of lost his cool a little bit. Well, I mean, and that move has to be kind of hard to control almost, you know, with all the momentum of your foot coming up, you know. Well, the momentum of the foot, plus you got all the adrenaline going through you. It's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to capture all that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, You were talking about the Eddie Sharkey guys from Minnesota earlier, so we can't leave this guy out. How about Rick Rude? I tell you, man, Rick, Rick was a, um, man, he was a beast. Um, I remember one night working with him down in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and he hit me so hard with an elbow to the side of the head that it punctured my eardrum. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember the match and you can watch it and, and I'm kind of stumbled. I'm kind of staggering a little bit because I had lost my equilibrium. And yeah. he got, he got back to the back and he said, why wouldn't you sell for me? I said, Rick, I didn't even know where I was at. Yeah. I said, you hit me. I said, you hit me so hard with that elbow. I, I lost my balance. And, I, and at that particular time, I didn't realize that I had, punctured my eardrum but when i i got back to the back and and the and the water from the shower had got down in my ear 
I mean, it was like excruciating pain. So right. that's what, that's when I went to see my, my ear, nose and throat doctor. And he said, you got a little small, you know, a little small gap in your eardrum. He said, just keep it, keep it dry for, for a couple of weeks and it'll be, it'll heal, it'll heal by itself. But, but man, what a strong, strong man he was. I mean, he Good was, job. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, I, I never, I always heard how, you know, he was a le- legitimate bad guy outside. You know, he's not some guy you wanted to, to pick yeah. a fight with. Right. But I never, I never saw, I never saw that side. I just heard the stories. That's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. So and he's kind of got Absolutely. that. He's kind of got that lean look that you like. Some he guys did, probably, yeah. some some guys probably at a bar probably thought they might could take him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and Root and Root is a guy also. My my understanding, he was a champion uh, arm wrestler. Yeah, he looked. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, I've heard that. I think yeah. that's what I heard. Yeah. Well, the next guy, and we've actually had several guys on the show that have worked Ted, and I'm going to bring this up. Ben Jordan, one of our favorite former guests, one of my good buddies. He actually did some work down in Global and Memphis and stuff. But Ben actually worked in a tag match against Money Incorporated, and one of the things that he made a joke about was that it was he was sad that when Ted DiBiase and IRS beat him, he did not get the hundred dollars crammed in his mouth. So now, yeah. of course. Tommy Angel popped that balloon and said, well, you didn't get to keep the money anyway, but talk about working Ted and maybe if you got to keep the $100 bill. <laughs> no, I did not get to keep the $100. I remember that that pretty clearly. And, um, <laughs> but you know what? I'll tell you a quick story, and I, I have since told Ted this story, you know, many, you know, some time ago, but um, Ted Ted did not know me from, um, from anybody. I mean, when he's worked with a lot of guys on the, um, you know, on television, you know, he would ask him, can, can you can you take this move? Can you take that move? And they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do it. But when you get out of the ring and you do it, they can't do it. Right. Uh, yeah. So I remember Ted asking me, he said, David, can you can you take a standing standing suplex? And I and um, I said, well, of course. What kind of question is that? He said, look, man, I don't know. I don't know you from from Adam. He said, I'm, I'm just asking the question because a lot of guys tell me they can do things. But when we get out there in the ring, they can't do it. And um mm. So he said, well, who trained you? And I said, Nelson Royal and uh, Gene Anderson. He said, oh, you're good. I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that that's what I distinctively remember about that match. But, you, you know, I remember the bump that I took for him. I landed on the floor. I mean, I remember it vague. I remember it very clearly knocking yeah. the breath out of him. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I recently it, it saw that match. Yeah. 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 It knocked the breath out of me for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's brutal because you're already worrying about staying winded and then Ted could probably blow you up if he wanted to. And then the oh, fact yeah. that you lose your breath in this massive bump, <laughs> oh, yeah. man, that must be a little frightening, right? <laughs> oh, it, it, it definitely was. Looking back, I would have taken it so much different, but it, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. All right. So this next guy, he is always mentioned as one of the legit tough guys in the business, maybe the most legit tough guy, uh, Haku. Yeah. You know, I remember working with Haku on a TV match up there. And I remember very clearly, um, of course his finish was with the, uh, the foot to the side mm. of the face. And, um, I remember it was just, as, I mean, it caught me a little bit on my lip. Um, but for the most part, th- that move was extremely smooth, mm. extremely smooth. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't remember too much about the match. I just remember the finish. Uh, but I just remember his finish just being a, a just a, so smooth, but I remember coming back from Japan one time and, um, he, uh, 
he was on the plane, you know, he was working for a different office than I was and he was on the plane and, you know, we had a chance to catch up for a few minutes and it's funny how you can always, you know, you're on a, you're on a plane and you can always spot a wrestler, you know, coming from Japan. So we had a chance to catch up for a few minutes and, uh, and talk and, um, yeah, just, but what another, what another great guy. I mean, he was so, so smooth in the ring, but really could hurt you if he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they say, I mean, everything I've ever heard about him is like, he must've been like a, like jerks would like seek him out in the bars. It's like, I don't know why you would seek out a 300 plus pound no, guy like that. that I don't know. Just don't I mean, know he's, he's the guy that I've heard, you know, has legit, has legitimately bitten the nose off of a man's yeah. face. Cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Man, he no just thanks. does. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, you kind of end up starting to not. You you had worked back and forth with Crockett and WWF, and you worked a lot of similar faces, and had, you know had some great matches with these guys. But then you start to work actually some of the indies in the Carolina region, yeah. starting off first with Nelson Royals Atlantic Coast Wrestling. Yeah. And I got to say this, I recently, you know, having Tommy Angel on doing the research for his show, yeah. I found all these matches online, and it's actually dinged the bell in my brain. That my brother and I saw the ACW in Council, mm-hmm. Virginia. It's one of our very first indie shows. Now, okay. I guess what brought you to start with Tommy, and was it the idea that you were going to yeah. get a little more of a like tit for tat yeah. match? So, so what? What Nelson? You know, that's the particular time that Nelson had had recently sold out to TBS. I'm sorry that Crockett had sold out to TBS. Got it. So okay. Th- that territory type of wrestling was getting ready to go away you know the territories were not going to be really around too much and nelson saw this as an opportunity maybe to get something started and um on a regional level and you know he had a lot of the guys and he needed some guys uh, to come in so you know we were able to bring in guys like you know don kernodal doug summers you know jimmy garvin um you know one of the you know rock and roll robert rock and roll yeah armstrong um so we had some good names come through there and, um, you know, and it just really did not really did not catch on like, like we, like we really thought it was going to, um, yeah. it was just one of those things that, you know, I think if we had had more, more TV exposure, more TV time, you know, to, to get our product out there. But I think from, from our standpoint, from where we where where we sat, it was just an opportunity maybe to take a gamble on something of, uh, on our talent and, and, and get out there and, and maybe start a territory. And, um, th- that's really what we looked at it as is finally, maybe we were going to start get, you know, we were you know going to start getting our own push. You know, yeah. we, we paid our, yeah. we had paid our dues and right. it was time for us. It was time for us to do a little something extra. And, yeah. um, that's kind of how we kind of how we viewed it was us starting a new regional territory. Yeah, well, if y'all out there listening, go to Carolina Wrestling Archive uh, on YouTube, and this one is a hidden gem, and I, I was so glad that I found it because the matches and the, and the show, it reminded you and it gave you that feel of Crockett, but it was also yeah. something different. You saw all the similar faces, but you guys were getting good matches. You were getting to show you, Rick Nelson, Tommy Angel, all these guys, you know, even the Barbarian's legit brother, you know. Right, and, John Savage. 
Yeah, and you could see so many of these great guys, and you know, it, it's it's a hidden gem, and I highly recommend everyone to go check out the Atlantic Coast Wrestling for sure. So, right. and then that leads you into working for Frank Dusick and Paul Jones with their North American yep. Wrestling Association, yeah. which is That's it looks right. it's very similar to to Nelson's promotion, but you got to work guys like Bob Orton Jr., Matt Bourne. You know, Brandy Colley, Tatanka, Chris Chavez early on. But some of the guys I definitely want to ask you about, like Brad Anderson. I think that guy needs some shine. Yeah. You know, Brad, Brad was also a, you know, he had worked some and um, with coming through Nelson's camp and, you know, they, they used him on some, on some TVs with a, you know, with a mask on, I believe his name back at that time might've been Zan Panzer. um, I think so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But Brad was another, um, uh, you know, he was he was a, a legitimate Anderson, um, yeah, tough, right. tough, tough, tough kid <laughs> in the ring. Um, you know, he was he was one of those guys that you know his dad taught him the old school way, and that's how that's how he worked. And um, but yeah, Brad was just another sweetheart of a guy, and uh, I always got along exceptionally well with Brad. We all, you know, we all came from the same camp, so we all had a real strong bond with each other, and. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, can't say enough positive things about Brad. Yeah, and it was it was a it, you know from what I've been able to find another great promotion to watch. I definitely highly recommend people look that up as well. But how was yeah. it working guys like Bob Orton Jr. and Matt Bourne? Yeah, you know I loved working with Matt Bourne. You know, with Bob, I think you know if I'm not mistaken, Bob may have been tagging with the guy who ended up being Papa Shango. Yeah. Okay. Charles Wright. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And I think he was down there and worked a, worked a few shows, but it, but again, it was one of these situations where um, George Scott had brought in brought in some guys like you know, like Robert Fuller and um, you, you know Jimmy Gold and the Nasty Boys, um, you know who I still remain very close with, and yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know so I I thoroughly enjoyed working with those guys, but. You know, I remember working with Bob Orton on, on television, and he, he he really didn't know me that well, so I really didn't get a whole lot during the match. But I I, I really I didn't stay there too long. Um, right. I told Paul. I remember telling Paul Jones. I said, Hey, Paul. You know, I I, I enjoy working for you, but but you know, I'm going to go out and do some other things. I I don't really want to do TVs for you anymore. Right. Um, was, he understood. He just didn't have a spot there for me at the you know at that particular time. So. That that's kind of what led me to kind of do a few things with them, and then off I went doing some other things after that. Yeah, and and I mean ma- mainly like you know some of the names you got to also work during that time. Colt Steele, who you brought up earlier. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and then Chris Chavez, which is now Tatanka. Yeah. Everybody knows yeah. him. Jerry Price, yeah. and then in August of 1990, NAWA changes their name to South Atlantic <laughs> Pro right. Wrestling. So that's you know. Right. It, there's some name changes and then that's when you meet up with the nasty boys and then yeah. uh, Tex Salinger, which a lot of our Memphis listeners yeah. will, will know about. And of course, yeah. WWF listeners will know about as well when yeah. he was, you know, Midian, but right. you got to work some great guys there. And, and I, yeah. I just, I love talking about the Carolina Indies as much as I do talking about the others, you know? So, well, you know, that, that's a great point because a lot of the, um, a lot of your uh, talent that went on to the WWF, even like a Vince Torelli, who was Ken Shamrock. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was also another guy that came through during that time that Paul Jones managed. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and, and Kenny went on to become, you know, uh, ultimate fighting and all, yeah. also the world's most dangerous man up in the, uh, the WWF. So, 
and, and of course, Chris Chavis over to, to Tatanka. So, yeah, I had a lot of opportunity to work with a lot of great guys. Uh, you know, I, I've been very blessed in my career. I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't say thanks enough for, you know, for, 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 for the time that I had in the business. I, I got to work with some really, a lot of, a lot of legends in this business. Yeah, absolutely. So, see, in 1991, you started kind of working back with WCW and WWF, and you get to work one of the all-time greats, and I think probably the best gimmick of all time in The Undertaker. Yeah, you know that's that's a that's a that was a that was a fun match. You know, when I went up there to work um, with The Undertaker, um, you know, after the match, I remember him because again. They had a lot of they had a lot of underneath guys on television up there uh, who said they could work and, and you know and they they just you know they just couldn't and yeah. so I remember after the match you know Mark came up and you know we were you know talking after the match and he asked me who trained me and and I I told him a little bit about my career he said man I really appreciate you know he said everything I did with you just flowed smoothly everything worked out very well. You followed my lead, you know, whatever I needed, you were right there for me. It was perfect timing. So he was extremely happy after the match. I was as well because I left in one piece and got paid. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know, so yeah, I had, I had, a, I had a chance to work with the undertaker. So that was a, that was a real highlight for me. Now, did you have issues with the coffee grounds like Tommy did? Um, I, he, I did not, um, <laughs> I, I, I did not have the, I did not have that problem. That was one thing I did not have a problem. Now I, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember where, if he, I don't think he did. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't know whether I wasn't a big fan of the way they would zip you up in that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. After, after, after the match, I'm, yeah. I'm a little claustrophobic, so I don't know whether that would have been the been the best thing for me. But yeah. anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, like you, you know, you did work for the WCW and WWF again. Did that just kind of say, "Oh, okay, look, you know, the Indies were the Indies, and that was fun, but I need to start making some money again." Is that kind of where your thoughts were on well, that? Well, you, you know, um, I really, I really started more in, into the indie scene after um, I'm going to say probably in the early the early early, early nineties, probably around 92 ish, 93 ish. Right. Um, I right. went back to WCW after, um, after Crockett had sold it. And I'm, you know, guys, I'm going to be very transparent with you why I left. Um, I, I was tagging, I had been going back, uh, for some matches, Jody Hamilton, who was, uh, who was doing the, the, the underneath talent booking, he would call me up and, you know, <clears throat> and it seemed like, yeah, I had several, you know, you know, Good, good matches there. I, yeah, I didn't have to worry about getting hurt, but it seemed like for the last three or four times that Jody called me, I was either in a singles match or a tag match with Sid Vicious. Mm. And, and I really, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I did not enjoy working with Sid, uh, at that time, nothing personal against him. I just did not enjoy working with him because I, I wasn't sure if I would go home in one piece. Okay. So finally, so, so finally I told Jody Hamilton when he called me, I said, Jody, I said, look, you guys have put me in the ring with Sid either in a six-man or a singles or a tag team the last three or four times I've been there. I said, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm worried if I'm going to get hurt or not. So if you're going to if you're going to put me in the ring with Sid again, just tell me now, and I'm, you know, and and I won't come. Right. And, uh, and so he understood, and he said, no, don't worry about it. I said, okay. So I didn't care, really at that point. I didn't care if I really went back or not because. 
I had enough independent work, you know, working for, you know, working the Indies and the Carolinas, you yeah. know, um, I, I had a chance to work, you know, the, you know, that's about the point in time when I started doing the Thunderfoot gimmick after that. So, right, right. Uh, you know, that kind of led into that. So after Gene Liggett and I started doing the, uh, the Thunderfoot gimmick in the early nineties, I, I really didn't care if I went back to WCW or not. Yeah. And before we get to the Thunderfoot, I got to ask you now, were you aware of the time frame when this happened of Mike Blackwell and Avalanche versus Dan Spivey and Sid, where the guy would not sell at all? No, this was Mike no, Blackwell. I, I was, um, I didn't find out about that till later on. Um, gotcha. <laughs> I was not, I don't believe I was there around that. You know, it, I mean, I may have been in, you know, doing some shows for him. I was not at that show. Um, yeah, I, I right. heard, I heard about it, but yeah, I, I was, I was not present there when that was filmed. I can't believe that guy would ever think he could anyway. I, I, I say that with the ultimate respect of both yeah, men, yeah. but especially Dan Spivey, who I've heard is definitely not one man you want to mess with. So No, no. I was in Japan with Danny, and um, which I knew him from Charlotte anyway back right. from early on in the Crockett days. Right. Yeah, he's, not a guy, he's not a guy you want to poke. No, not a bit. And now, well, the the reason I brought this up, and you brought him up earlier, talking about getting to meet him and stuff, but you actually talk about you know meeting Stan Hansen, and you got oh, yeah. to work Stan Hansen. How was it working? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Stan and I are. Matter of fact, I just got a text message text message from him while we were doing this podcast, and uh, <clears throat> we keep in touch on a very very regular basis. And um, but but I'm going to tell you, and I've and I've I've told Stan before. You know, he was, he was, he was stiff, <laughs> he was stiff you, you know, and if you, um, if you read Stan's book, uh, yes, you know, it's a great he'll, book. He'll great. He'll, 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 he'll tell you about, uh, you know, he, he talks some stories about me in there and, yes. um, yes. um, he, you know, we were actually getting ready to go out and we were wor- working with each other in a match one night, um, and his music hit and he says, Isley, I'm sorry about the potatoes. I said, what potatoes? He goes, the ones I'm getting ready to give you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so he apologized. He apologized up front. And um, he was, you know, he was extremely, extremely stiff. And, yeah. Um, yeah. but that, that was just his style. He yeah. didn't mind taking it, but he sure didn't mind giving it either. Did yeah. you, did you take the lariat? I did. I've taken that lariat quite a few times. And um, it's, um, it's a, you know, any, Anybody that says wrestling is fake, well, I I didn't get the memo that night. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's incredible. that's incredible. Yeah. Well, so you you brought it up a minute ago, but I want to. Yeah. We're going to officially lead into it now. So in '92, you actually make your way to all Japan, which you know, yeah. for any wrestler, I think Japan has got to be one of those bucket oh, yeah. list deals, right? What was your it connection? No. You know, I know you went with Tommy and stuff, but talk about your connection to all Japan. And well, how you got that's, there? That's, that's you know, uh, honestly, I was um, a friend of mine named Sal Carinti, who has been in the business for a long time. He is um, he was actually Nelson Royals' uh, main referee at that particular time. I knew Sal because he and Nikita Koloff were very good friends. Um, he had booked a tour down to uh, Bermuda, and um, it, it was myself, Gene Leg, and there were a couple of midgets on the card. Um, Ivan Koloff was there. Uh, JYD was there. Yeah. Um, so, so Junkyard Dog and I were actually sitting out by the pool um, having a drink together. And um, he, he said, hey, kid, he, he says, I don't know a whole lot about you, 
He said, but I, I saw your work out there tonight and um, you, you look pretty good. He said, have you ever thought about going to Japan? And I said, dog, I, I, that, that's, you know, that's hard to get in. I mean, there's so many people trying to go to Japan and I don't know how to get in over there. He said, do you know Stan Hansen? And I said, I don't know Stan. And um, he said, well, you put a VHS of your, put some matches together for him and send him a letter, mention my name and, um, and tell him to give you a chance that, you know, that I recommend you. So um, that's how I got, you know, I, I sent Stan my information and he got it. Uh, three or four months went by and he finally called me and um, Stan and I were talking on the, uh, the, the phone and he said, okay, well, I want to book you over here for, you know, for the April uh, champion carnival tour. And, he said, but now why I've got you on the phone, he said, have you got any more of Nelson's guys that you can recommend? Because, you know, we're looking for some different talent to bring them over here. I said, sure, sure. So I mentioned, uh, I mentioned Tommy Angel and uh, Ricky Nelson. So that's kind of how they were able to, we were all able to get that started and, and, and go over there. But, you know, the friendship that Stan and I have today is, um, is, 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 is just a, a wonderful, wonderful friendship that we have together. I've spent time with him at his, at his home in Colorado. And he was recently here for a few days up in the uh, West Virginia area, doing some events and uh, down in, um, in Charlotte with high spots. And um, Mm. he and I were able to spend three or four days on the road together. So that's how that whole thing led with me going to Japan. And, you know, and, and, and and I, I stand and I tell each other all the time, if it, if it wasn't for JYD, he, he and I would have never been, would have never been friends. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. That's incredible. Well, Jared, start us off. We got a little name game for the all Japan guys here. So go ahead. Jared. So when you talk about Japanese wrestling, yeah, if you don't bring this guy up, you're, you're missing out giant Baba. Yeah. You know, giant Baba, you know, Baba came over back into when I was going through camp, um, Baba had brought over some guys, from uh, from Japan to work in the Coliseum uh, one night in Charlotte, and that's where I originally met Baba because I worked out with some of his guys in the ring um, when he when Nelson brought him over here and um, for Crockett. And um, you know, I tell you a funny story is um, the first night I was in Japan, I was in a six man tag with Joel Deaton and Abdul the Butcher against um, Baba, Rusher Kamira. Um, and I don't remember the third, the third gentleman, but, um, at, Abdullah did not know me from, you know, from, from anybody else. He, he thought I was some green, green kid and didn't know what I was doing, but anybody that knows Baba knows that his chop was very, very over. That's what he was well known for with yeah. those big hands of his. So Baba slung me into the rope and he, he called out big chop. So when he calls big chop, I knew that I better sell it. Right. Right. So Abdullah, when he when he heard Baba, when he heard Baba say "Big Chop," he screamed at the top of his lungs, "Kid, please go off your feet!" <laughs> because he wanted to make sure that right. I sold the move for for Baba because that's what he was so famous for. Now it didn't look great, right. but you still you still better sell the boss's chop. Right. That's what you better. Yeah. So that's just the way it did. So I I sold it like a million dollars. Yeah, I bet. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, again, there's some of these legendary Japan names, and you got to work a lot of them here, but one of them yeah. is Kenta Kobashi. Kobashi, yeah. Kobashi was another guy that, um, you, you know, the Japanese talent, they are just so talented. I mean, yeah. 
the, right. you know, you, 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 but Kobashi is just another one of those legends in Japan that I'm, I'm so thankful that I had the opportunity to work with. Um, you know, probably the only, the only Japanese guy that I regret not being able to work with was probably Masawa. Right. And, um, Right. I, I wish that I had had an opportunity to work with him, but I didn't. But I had an opportunity to work with most everybody else on the tour on the Japanese side. Yeah. Um, so I was very, I was very thankful for that. That I, and and I guess which you're probably going to lead into in a minute anyway. But I guess if I had to, if I had to say one one Japanese guy that I'm so thankful that I had the opportunity to work with was probably Jumbo Saruta. Boom. I wanted to hit the drum roll. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's. He's the guy that I can I can say, hey, you, you know my my career I, I made it. If I was able to have a match with uh, with Jumbo and you know he was able to speak English and and that kind of thing, so we we were able to go out there and have a good uh, have a good solid match. And um, I'm I'm just so blessed that I was able to work with him during my career. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you you end up you know you worked a lot of times. Was there any interesting Japanese stories that came about during your time there? Well, you know. Um, what I will say is I, I've got a funny Terry Gordy story and, um, and Stan may talk about this in his book a little bit, but I had been on tour there. I had been gone for about three weeks and I was ready to go home. Like everybody has get a little homesick for the food and that kind of thing. So Terry, Terry was down in the hotel eating, eating, eating breakfast that morning. Um, and he knew I was tired of the food and he, he told me, he saw me, I came down, sat downstairs with him. He said, David, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, that chef back in the back, that cook, he's from the States and he knows how to cook, you know, bacon and eggs. And he even made me some biscuits. I said, do what? <laughs> and I said, he said, he said, I'm not kidding you. It's some of the best I ever had. He said, do you want to try it? And I said, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> so he calls the waitress over and told her in Japanese, you know, that I wanted to have the same thing that he was eating. And, um, he, he got up and he said, I'll, he's enjoy that breakfast. He said, I'll see you back at the bus in a few minutes. And, uh, so when she brought my food out, it was salad and fish. Oh, oh my man. Gosh. So I, I, I knew, I knew right then that he had, that he had ribbed me. And, oh uh, brother. So, so as soon as I, as soon as I got on the bus, he sat in the very back of the bus and he looked at me and just laid in the floor dying laughing. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Where's the so biscuits that's, that's and gravy? One, that's, <laughs> yeah, that that's one that's one thing that I really remember is is just you know, the, the the story of Terry Gordy. Just a uh, one one thing that I'll never forget. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, working for Herb Abrams UWF. You know, I see you got guys like um, you know Jimmy Valiant and Sunny Beach. You know, I still keep still keep in touch with. Uh, with Sonny Beach quite a, quite a bit. You know, he lives up in uh, up in the New York area, and uh, we, he and I keep in touch pretty pretty well. You know, uh, Herb had a you know a few shows you know d- down in the in the Carolinas, I think if I remember correctly, and um, we were able to go in there and do a few little spot shows with him, and nothing on a, on nothing on a real regular basis. But you know, one one good thing that we always had was you know anytime a, a major promotion you know came to the came to your came to your area and they needed some talent they always knew they felt like they could call nelson or they could call us say hey you know do you want to come come do this event for us you know we're going to be in your area we're going to be there for a couple days can you help us out blah 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 yeah we were always very eager to you know to oblige if we weren't doing something else so you you know i i don't remember a whole lot about 
you know, the UWF, I, I know that, you know, they, did, did they not do some, um, what was there not a show on, on that dark, time ago? Dark side of the ring. Dark yeah. Side of the ring. yeah. Right. Right. It's um, really, really brought them back into focus too. You know, yeah. our buddy, our buddy Gene Jackson has a whole podcast about the UWF. So yeah, I worked under a hood and, and, and I, but I don't remember, I don't remember what they called me. Okay. Um, gotcha. I, I, nope. I, I don't remember what they called me. Just like the same thing I did working for, um, for Smoky Mountain Wrestling, I went in to do a few things with, with Cornette back in the day. Right. Um, I, I I worked as um, I remember he stuck a hood on me one night as the Mighty Yankee. You know, yes, and that was that was one of those Tennessee gimmicks. Yeah, I love it. Right, right, yeah. absolutely correct. You know, so um, you know, guys, I I've been very, very, very fortunate. You know, uh, you know, from the time that I started until the time I got out. I, you know, I had a lot of really good opportunities to work around a lot of legends and I'm, I'm just so thankful that it was, a, it was, it was a good career. No doubt. And you, it's been incredible for you for sure. I, I've enjoyed every bit of this. So we've got just a little bit more before we wrap it up. You know, yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. You worked, you did come back and in 94, you start really, you put the pedal down on the Thunderfoot gimmick. You and yeah. Gene are working it also, yeah. but you had just recently worked in Japan. You talked about working some with Joel Deaton. So was there a tie in with Joel Thunderfoot, you, Gene, talk about how yeah. you took the Thunderfoot. I, I'll gimmick. be honest with you. When, um, you know, we were, go- you know, Sal Corinti and Rob Russin from the IWA, that was back in 91. They were getting ready to, um, and I'm, I'm giving you a quick story on how the Thunderfoot with me got started. Yeah. Um, um, so what happened was, um, I think they had reached out to Joel to do the, uh, the Thunderfoot with, with, cause they were booking a tour to Sydney, Australia for a month. Okay. Okay. Um, and, um, for some reason, Joel was not either able to do it or his health was bad or something. Um, so they needed a Thunderfoot tag team partner. So um, I know that uh, Sal and Gene Ligon, I, I did not know Rob Russin uh, at okay. all from, from the IWA. So Got it. Gene and Sal went to bat for me and said, hey, I think this would be a great, a great, you know, alternate to, to Joel Deaton. I think yeah. I would do a, a heck of a job. Um, and, and then after, after I got over there and after the tour was over, Rob, Rob came up to me and said, any tour that I have going forward, you'll, you'll be included on it. So, yeah, uh, we just had a great experience. So Gene and I already knew each other from, from the Carolinas anyway. So we really just meshed well. We traveled together. We, we did the Thunderfoot after, um, after Joel was not able to do it. And, um, yeah, he and I, that to me. That's probably some of you know, that's probably some of the best work that I ever did that nobody really ever got to see was yeah. when um, when I, when I when Gene and I were doing the Thunderfoot. That was probably some of the probably some of the best stuff we did. That's awesome. That y'all go look that up for sure. So and, and working IWA as Thunderfoot, you got to work guys like Rick Link, and we talked about this guy earlier, yeah. Gary Royal, and you even worked yeah. with Alpha from the legendary Samoans, man, that was some crazy stuff there. Talk about some of those guys. Yeah. You know, um, Sal was very close with Alpha. That's how he got started in the business. He was very close with the office. So, you know, I was able to go up there, you know, and do some things as myself. Um, you know, and I, I, but I also, you know, did the Thunderfoot gimmick, you know, down here in the, in the Carolinas was able to work with Rick Link and, you know, work with, um, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of, a lot of the other guys that, 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 that get forgotten about a lot of the times that came through the Carolinas on the independent scene before they got their break, 
was the guy's men on a mission from the WWF. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I had, I had an opportunity to work with those guys on some shows, um, Mabel and, um, and Bobby Horn. So, um, you, you know, I was, um, again, the Thunderfoot, it, it was just, I loved being the heel. I really did. Um, yeah. look, looking back, I would much rather have been a heel than I was a baby face. Right. Um, I felt like I was able to, you know, to, to do more and bring more of my, my character out, um, as the, as a heel versus the baby face. Um, right. but looking back, I, I did not enjoy working, working baby face after I became, after I became a heel, that's all I wanted to do. Now I, I will mind. tell you, <laughs> I will tell you on that tour to Australia, um, probably the best match of my career that I ever had was over there as Thunderfoot. Uh, working with Paul Orndorff, I mean, oh, that was pro- oh, that was probably the that was probably the best match of my career that um, that nobody will ever get to see. And, and I tell everybody after that match, I probably should have quit the business at that particular <laughs> time because that was my that was my best match, and and um, that I that I'll never be I'll never be able to see it. I don't, I don't know where the takes are. Uh, don't know if anybody has them, but man, I would love to see it. Yeah, no joke. I didn't see any of that in my research, man. But I tell you, that's, no. that's intrigued me now. Wow. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, so 96, you start working the Carolina Indies, you know, CCW, yep. ACW, I think NDW. Yep. And then you actually yep. worked for a promotion called WWE, World Wrestling Empire. Talk about working all those promotions. And you, here's well, some of the guys you got to work, too. Billy Kidman, David Jericho, who led on to being Kid Cash, and Bobby Fulton. Yep. A lot of great guys. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, back in those times, you know, back in those days, we had, you know, again, I had already made a, I had been around the business for about 10 years at that particular time. And, um, you know, we had a chance to, to really, you know, when, um, Chris Plano was booking for NDW or when he was running NDW, <clears throat> Rick Link was helping him out quite a bit with that. And, um, you know, c- you know, c- uh, CCW down in, uh, in, in Concord, you know, we ran Saturday night in Concord every Saturday night, probably for several years. And wow. that was, that was a nice, a nice time because we all lived in the Concord area. The money yeah. was good. We were right yeah. there. We didn't have any trap. I mean, for goodness sakes, we could, we could leave our house. We could leave our house at a quarter of 7 PM and be at the arena by, by in, in 15 minutes. And that, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get much better than that. You know, yeah. so we were we were able to to work every Saturday night for several years uh, down in Concord. So, you know, we you know I stayed busy on the independent scene on Saturday nights. I I stayed pretty busy at, during those times. But I started kind of winding my career down a little bit about that time. Yeah. Um, I I knew there were some other things outside of wrestling that I wanted to do. Um, so I was still just kind of doing it on a part time basis at that particular time, and um, yeah. I, I had an opportunity to work on a, you know, many, many different little promotions around, you know, I remember that, you know, I'm trying to remember, um, you know, Gene and I even became the Virginia tag team champions one time. And I'm trying to remember that promotion that I worked with. Uh, it might've been, um, it could have been, you know, Dave Parsons maybe up in the Virginia area, or um, I, I, I don't really remember, but I've got a picture maybe around here somewhere when Gene and I won the, Virginia tag team titles back in the day yeah, and nice. um, just had a, you know, a fantastic time working as the Thunderfoots with Gene. I mean, that was just, just an incredible time in my career. 
Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. Well, okay, so in September 10th, 2005, it shows that there was a match versus Hack Myers at Wrestle Reunion 3. Was that your official last match? Probably the worst match of my career, to be honest with you. Wow. Um, I, okay. I, 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 I did not. That was my last match. That was my official last match. Yes, and yeah. um, uh, I had got, I had worked worked on that show, and I didn't know Hack very well at all. His right. style and my style just did not did not mesh well, and that happens sometimes. That happens when you work with some guys, you either mesh really well or you don't. Right. And um, our styles just did not did not mesh well for whatever reason. <clears throat> not not. I was, I'm not knocking his work at all. It's just our styles just did not, did not do well. And, right. and I knew, I knew after that match, I said, you know, this is probably going to be my last match because I had started doing some other things uh-huh. uh, with my career in, you know, outside of wrestling. And I really just kind of wanted to focus on that a little bit more. And that's kind of what I did. But technically that was pretty much my last, you know, and, and I, and I, that, that was a match that Sal Carrenti had, had booked for Wrestle Reunion. But I will say on that match, I mean, excuse me, on that card, I, I knew that was going to be my last match. And I, and I went up to Sal and I said, look, this is going to be my last match. I've never had an opportunity to take, take the bionic elbow from Dusty. Can you, <laughs> can you, work, it out? Can you work it out somehow that I can do a run-in and, and let me feed in and give Dusty an elbow? Said, yeah. He said, yeah, go ahead and do it. If you go over there and talk to Dusty, and, and which I knew Dusty from Crockett, so right. um, he said if, if, if Dusty's okay with it, you know, you guys work it out. So I went over and explained it to Dusty what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it. He said, "Yeah, kid, don't worry about it. I got you, baby. Just feed in there, and I'll I'll give you the elbow." That's and awesome. so I was very I was very fortunate that I uh, that's that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to do it. Matter of fact, I think he was working with Terry Funk that night. Oh man! Mistaken. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I was able to I was able to feed in and. Uh, Take an elbow from him and took the thunderfoot took the thunderfoot outfit off and never went back. That's yeah, that's well. So technically, yeah. your last move that you took was Dusty's elbow. Then that's yeah, not bad. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, great way to that's end right. it. You know, <laughs> absolutely correct. Absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. Right. Well, so what what did you do after wrestling? What what did you what led after wrestling for you? You know, so um, I, I knew that I could not. I knew that I couldn't wrestle forever. You know, I'd had, I'd had, I'd had some injuries. Uh, it's not something I wanted to do, uh, continue doing. Um, and, um, cause I had kind of <laughs> lost my pat, my lost my passion a little bit for the business at that particular time. And I really wanted to focus more on a career or life outside of wrestling. I always already had something that I was able, that I was working on. So I went back to school, finished up my, uh, my bachelor's and, um, I got that taken care of and um, even went back in, in 2012 and finished my, uh, my MBA. And uh, so, you know, I, I've been in business now in, in purchasing for quite some time. So, you know, right now I'm, I'm working for a company out of uh, Chino Hills, California called Harrington Industrial Plastics. We also um, ha- have a branch down in Pineville, North Carolina, not too far from you where, where you guys are maybe located at, but um, I wanted to, you know, to do something outside of wrestling, you know, I had to have something else I wanted to fall back on, so to speak, because I knew wrestling could not provide that lifestyle that I wanted to forever. Right. Uh, right. So it's something that I wanted to do and, um, was able to do it. And, um, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't looked back since I think where I'm, I'm really blessed is the fact that I'm able to still, you know, keep a lot of the friendships that I made in the wrestling business. Um, able to still connect with, 
you know, with Tommy, uh, you know, with, with, with Sal and Gary Royal, you know, I keep in touch pretty regularly with, with Greg Price, you know, with Stan yeah. Hansen. Um, yeah. So I, I've made some real solid friendships in the business and I'm really, uh, really, really excited that, you know, that, that I, I still get to keep in touch with a lot of the guys that I used to travel with. So that's always a, that's always a, a bonus. Yeah, no doubt. Well, David, man, this has been an incredible interview, brother, and I thank you for giving us your time. You know, we always we always end every show with the plastic sheet. My brother, the co-host, we we always give him the last question of the night. So, Jared, go ahead and ask David. And and David, you may have already answered this with your uh, the match in Australia with Paul Orndorff. Yeah. But would you consider that your favorite match? And if so, could you give us a, maybe another one that you would consider one of your favorite matches you ever had? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, I really, honestly, if I had to say probably what, one of my favorite, I, I probably would say probably a, a, a couple of matches of mine that I was able to, 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 work, to work on. And I think it's just part of a nostalgia uh, for me was when I got to work with number one, Paul Jones. Oh yeah. Um, cool. as a, as a he, kid growing up in the mid Atlantic area, Paul Jones was a huge baby face. Absolutely. In the, yeah. in the, um, in, in the territory. So when I was working for the NAWA, uh, uh, Paul was doing some of the booking. He came back and said, Hey, you and I are going to work together in a little spot show. He said, what do you want me to beat you with tonight? And I said, well, I want you to beat me with the Indian death lock. Yeah. He said, well, he said, well, why would you want me to do that? <laughs> and I said, I said, Paul, because when I was growing up that, that particular finish of yours, I was a huge mark for that growing up. I, that's what I want you to beat me with. And he beat me with it. So, that's awesome. Um, that's yeah. awesome. So that, that, that's probably a, a, a nostalgia thing that for, for me, um, I would say anybody that knew me growing up, um, back in Hendersonville, North Carolina, they knew that I was a huge Ric Flair fan at that time. And so any, any opportunity that I got to get it, you know, in the ring with Flair, um, I think that was probably a favorite uh, of mine, just, just from a nostalgia point of view. And then I would say probably last but not least, um, you know, probably working with Wahoo. Wahoo, yeah, wow. when I had, when I was able to work with Wahoo, Wahoo was kind of on the, the tail end of his career. So he had, he had lightened up a whole lot. Um, and, um, you know, so his, his chops were still, still pretty, pretty heavy, but not, not to the magnitude back when he was in the seventies working with a Johnny Valentine or the Anderson brothers. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's probably from a, a nostalgia point of view, probably something that I'm extremely, extremely proud of. You should be. Awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much again for giving us your time. And, and man, this has just been a true honor for you to do this for us and be on well, this God, show I, with us. I, I certainly appreciate it. You know, it's given me an opportunity to come back and, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's so many things we, we, we didn't, we didn't talk about because, you know, over the course of my career, you, you know, there was just so many positive things that happened, you know, the guys that I was able to come across and, you yeah. know, ha- have good solid matches with, and, you know, just an opportunity to, you know, to, um, uh, to entertain, entertain a lot of people. And, you know, what, what I would say is, you know, I- anybody that thinks wrestling is, 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 is fake or it's not real. Um, I'm telling you guys, we're, we're paying for it as we, uh, as we, uh, as we get older, we're paying for a lot of those injuries that we, um, that we had got back early on in our lives. So, um, yeah. Uh, but, but it's the life I chose, and I'm happy I, I chose it, and I would do it over again in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, well, anybody that says fake, they're not welcome on this show. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, that's, that's a bad word to us. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's just, um, it just doesn't set well with me. Yeah, yeah, it's disrespectful, I think, to the legacy and, and the lives that have been lost to this business. And you know, yeah, the, you, you know, you know, and that's, um, you know, that brings up an, another great point. You know, I. I still, every year I, I get extremely sad, you know, you know, some of the guys that have passed away. I mean, I was extremely close with, uh, you know, Ray trailer, you know, the boss yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, he's just, he's just another guy that I, I, I don't ever, uh, I'll never forget. He just made a, a real, real positive impact in my life. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much, David. I don't think Thanks, there's guys. any better way to end this. So that you're the right. best man. And we'll have a we part two it. to talk about all those other stories. So coming soon. We'll do, <laughs> we'll do it sometime, guys. All right. Take thank you, yourself. sir. Appreciate all it. Right. All right. Well, we'll be right back to wrap things up with the plastic chic on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you are interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M, the man 73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. your rock star ring announcer, Aaron Camaro. I'm a man who believes the two greatest art forms ever created are professional wrestling and heavy rock music. So when I'm not hosting the best parties that also happen to be live professional wrestling shows, I'm hosting the Decibel Geek Podcast. Decibel Geek is a weekly podcast that features discussions of all things rock. We're talking the Beatles, the Stones, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Black Sabbath, Kiss, Ozzy, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Alice in Chains, Pantera, and everything in between. Plus, we'll turn you on to new bands from today that have the same spirit and style that the legends do. Decibel Geek is hosted by myself along with Rockin' Pod founder Chris Sinzak and each week you'll get interviews with famous musicians and industry insiders along with informative, entertaining, humorous and insightful discussions and most importantly a passion for the music. So if you love to rock out as much as I do then this is your invitation to the greatest rock and roll party in all of podcasting. It's Decibel Geek, and it's available right now on all major podcast platforms. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
Paul Sheik one more time with an excellent interview, Mr. David Isley. What'd you think, man? Man, he was just so giving, man. He he literally like <laughs> he literally like knew knew our questions sometimes without us even asking. I know. And, uh, you know, he did he didn't have our notes, so it's right. crazy. But like we would get to talking about one person and he'd be like, Well, I got a story about this guy. And we're like, please, by all means, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. So great, yeah. great storyteller, great, uh, great conversation, man. Yeah. And I'm so, sometimes I feel like I am a slave to my questions. And so like, I feel like if I'm, you know, and we did skip a few things because that's just the way things are. And we don't ever want to be like, so tied down to what we're planning to Mm -hmm. talk about that we can't have a full conversation you know so i don't know maybe maybe we need to get away from the hard notes but i I don't know i I would be lost i I think i would lose my mind without those notes in (laughs) front of me but anyway yeah you know one thing i will say you know i don't know who's next i know we've got a really good couple of options coming up soon so i don't know if we'll have them the next episode i don't know if it'll be the one after that i don't know if it'll be a couple episodes from now but the very next episode so it's going to be awesome. I guarantee it. One or two of those options, if they come through, I do have a confirmation from one of them, but I also have a semi confirmation from the other. I don't want to get in the way of, you know, progress there. So I, I, I have some ideas, but one thing I, I think I want to do maybe is during the holidays, while we're all together, maybe you and, and the kids, me and cash, maybe we can plan an episode. I don't know. Yeah. It's we're so rarely all together at once. It would be kind of fun if we could all get together and maybe have a fun episode like the wrestling superheroes one or something. I don't know. So Paisley loves to listen to that episode of, of with cash in it just because she cracks up every time he says Colossus. So yeah, well I, we all did, you know, so well put some thought to that. I'll put some thought to that. We'll see where we go with that, but maybe okay. we'll try to do a family episode there at the very tail end of the year or at the very beginning. We'll see, but either way, you know, you know, the MO of this show, give me back my pro wrestling. We definitely want to talk to our wrestlers about wrestling. So whatever it is, I'm sure, you know, it'll be a fun one and hopefully the listeners will come along with us. You know, one thing that's that's really blown my mind is we just recently on the Wolfie D podcast on Live and in Color with Wolfie D, we recently did Wolfie D's 50th episode. And Jared, I don't think I've ever worked harder for an episode in my life. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you've been able to listen to it yet, but I tell you, I, I had to garner about 25 to 26 wrestlers and get them to record a quick message for Wolfie and man oh my gosh I've never it's like wrangling cats you know it's yeah wrangling cats might be easier yeah it would it was and it was just a, it was just a, a very tedious texting constantly messaging hey brother when can we do this brother (laughs) (laughs) but i think it came out great you know we've had a great response from that you know you're gonna see more more of the kind of crossover of both shows it's just simpler for me and since i'm kind of the workhorse i would say the workhorse behind both shows absolutely you'll probably see a little more crossing over just because you know some of the people we want to have as guests on our show that have been on the Wolfie show. Some of the people that we've been on our show, we might have on the Wolfie show. You never know. So, but I mean, it's all the same thing. Essentially it's, it's all the same network of sorts. Right. So I've heard of networks before. Yeah. (laughs) Well, 
we're yes, there are such <laughs> things as networks, and I don't necessarily think networks work. <laughs> but but there's some great ones out there. If you want to go check out Gene Jackson's, he's got Absolutely. a great one with the Retro Wrestling Network. That's that's a lot of fun. He does a lot of great stuff. Also, you got to go check out Kroll's Nashville Wrestling Network, and that one's on YouTube. So go subscribe to that. Go subscribe to the Retro Wrestling Network. Go support those networks. As far as the James Rock Street production family of shows, we're not going to call that a network <laughs> we're just we're just doing podcasts here so but i will give you some kudos man so i've kind of put you to task for making chic shorts a much more focus especially for you and for both podcasts so i got to give you a major props you've always You've always done great work with it, but I've, I've actually really started to put you really hard to work for this. So I, I but I, I feel uh, like you're doing a great Give me some inspiration. So, well, I mean, inspiration of, hey, please help me. <laughs> 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 but yeah, but yeah, there's some, there's, there's some fun things that you're doing there. And it looks like they're getting a lot of fun response too, especially on the YouTube and, and, and the Instagram and Facebook, you know, our Facebook reels, they always do really well. And, and I got to give you props for that, man. So definitely, but you keep an eye out y'all out there in listener land, keep an eye out for more from the sheets, shorts, element of it and you know if you do like it subscribe to it follow it comment on it do whatever but we appreciate that as well but one thing we got to say is as always we're at gmbmpw on facebook twitter instagram and youtube y'all go follow those make sure you're up to date with all the happenings with the give me back my pro wrestling podcast we got some stickers by the way i've probably got one two three four very limited amount of five so we've got four stickers right now I tell you what, I'm going to do a little thing that I want to do, and I've wanted to do this for a while. So there's three things that you can do. You can rate us five stars on Spotify, and if you do that and you take a screenshot of that, or if you write a review and five-star us on Apple Podcasts, you know, and you take a screenshot of that, or if you show me that you are subscribed to the YouTube channel, okay, and you just lay down a comment on on your favorite episode, your favorite video, whatever we do, and screenshot that, and you forward that to any of the DMs of the Instagram, the Facebook, or the YouTube of at GMBMPW, or you can email us at GMBMPW at gmail.com. I will send you a selection of those stickers. I may not be able to send all five limited supplies on one, but maybe we'll just get more of that one too. But when it comes down to it, five stickers, probably only four actually, but four stickers of all the different kinds of designs. You saw the pictures on social media. And if you didn't, that's a great reason to make sure you're subscribed so you will see them. Like I said, if you show us some love, five stars, screenshot it, review, screenshot it, you know, comment, whatever. Make sure you send it to us at GMBMPW or GMPW at Gmail. I will send you a pack of stickers. So you'll get like four or five, maybe five, but definitely four. Uh, does that make sense, Jared? I'll send them yeah, some stickers. It does. Yeah. Hey, you get it. You'll get it. You'll get an assortment of stickers. 
Exactly. And it may just be somebody else's. No, I'm just kidding. It will be the podcast stickers because we bought these stickers to give away to promote the show. So, I, you know, I think that's a fun thing. And especially if y'all do that for us, I'll be glad to send them out on my dime. Okay. So, yeah, that's the offer, guys. Y'all want them? Let us know. Okay. All right. Well, that's it, Sheik. You got anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? Real quick, I just want to say, look in my eyes. What do you see? <laughs> yeah. That was a great. That was a crazy moment. Survivor Series, CM Punk. I'm not a Punk fan, but anytime you can see that bigger reaction, yeah, from a crowd in wrestling, I'm a big fan of that. So yeah, me too, man. Dare I dare I say, CM Punk in Chicago gets a Road Warrior pop, man. No, that, that's maybe yeah. even more. You know, that yeah, that's big, a pop, big time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, GM, PM, CM Punk. <laughs> anyway, I was getting distracted there. But, yeah, that was amazing. I got to see that with y'all. That was a lot of fun. We watched Survivor Series. We watched the majority of it after we had some dinner. And, yeah, a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. Absolutely. Very, very cool to see. And I just love that people, you know, love wrestling. So whatever you do, if you don't want to get stickers, if you don't want to listen to us, whatever you do, just go love some pro wrestling and love the pro wrestling that you like. And don't let anybody tell you that you can't love the wrestling that you love, because I guarantee nobody could have told that to us. Right. So absolutely. That's true. Yeah. So do I love all the wrestling? No, I don't. But if you love it, Love it, man. Just like what you like. Who cares what anybody else says? There's too much subjective opinions in wrestling. And, you know, I don't love it all. But at the same time, if you love it, then it means something to you. And maybe one day you'll have a podcast about what you love, you know? So there you go. There you go. Well, hey, Christmas is coming. Get those t shirts. Well, you know, you got links. We got Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, and we got a plastic chic t shirt out there. Make sure you grab one of those for your favorite loved one. Grab it for the loved one you don't even like. But either way, they're great deals. $18.99 for either one of them. And if you buy two, that means we love you more. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I tell you what, if somebody buys two, okay, here's the deal. I will send you because guess what? I get the email that tells me where you live and what that you bought it. Okay. If you buy two of the shirts, I will send you the sticker pack for free. That's another offer, Jared, that I'm just throwing out there right now. I feel like I feel like Don West on TNA right now. <laughs> Rest <laughs> in peace. Yeah. Well, anyway, y'all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. David Isley, once again, we, we greatly appreciate y'all. Hope you're having a good day. And we'll see you next time on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Don't forget. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you feel the moonshine? Ain't it just like a friend of mine to hit me with a axe handle from behind when I'm gone to Carolina in my mind? Thanks, y'all. With a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life.
This has been a James Rock Street production.